You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. There has been an awakening. Have you felt it? You are listening to Star Wars The Saga Continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery and Tim Jirasi, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed, so we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Always in motion is the future. This is just the beginning. You'll find out full of surprises. Not over yet. No, there is another. Chewie, we're home. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome back to Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news and rumors on all the new and upcoming projects in the Star Wars universe. Uh, Particularly uh, this week, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about with uh, The Last Jedi, Episode 8, as well as the Han Solo standalone film. Um, And as always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I've got my co-host, Tim, with me. How's it going, Tim? Hey, what's up, Kyle? Good to be back. I know it's been a while since our last episode. Star Wars news flow kind of slowed down a bit after Celebration uh, Orlando, but it came back in full force uh, these last few weeks, especially yeah. with The Last Jedi, so a lot of cool stuff to talk about. Yeah, we definitely have a lot of new pictures, a lot of new information to talk about, um, and right around the time this stuff dropped, I was out of town for a couple weeks, um, and yeah, like you said, there, there just wasn't a whole lot of stuff to talk about right after Celebration, um, and then once things kind of started picking up again, um, and we did have stuff to talk about, I had vanished like Luke Skywalker, so I <laughs> am finally back now, Um I guess, I don't know, I'm, I could be staring at a lightsaber as we record this. Um, so someone found but, you on the, the planet of Phoenix Comic Con. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but luckily, I was at least doing much more than just standing at a, you know, standing on a cliff looking out at rocks and the ocean and stuff. Not that that isn't a nice view there on Octo. But uh, yeah, anyway, let's just jump right into this. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll talk about... Um, Mostly these Vanity Fair images that came out and stuff. Also, real quick, you'd mentioned, uh, yeah, I was at Phoenix Comic Con, did another panel with uh, our friends Joey. Uh, I'm getting last names mixed up. Uh, <laughs> Joey Letson and Jason Hunt. Uh, too many J people. Um, no, but, you know, as always, I you know, had a great time um, talking Star Wars with those guys, and we had a lot of fun hosting that panel. Uh, Joey recorded audio from it that I will probably use on a future episode, um, just since we've been away for so long and have so much to talk about this time, um, rather than try to tack another hour on the end of this and make it, you know, four hours long or something. Um, <laughs> maybe save it for sometime in the future when we've got, uh, you know, the news is kind of slow. And we'll maybe use that to uh, fill in for an episode. Um, but we had a lot of time, a lot of fun uh, there. That was a good time. Um, so, uh, but yeah, definitely glad to be back home now. I was on the road for like a week before that. So uh, Memorial Day, I just like slept until noon. Um, 
and uh you know finally got to catch up on rest and everything and then started catching up on all this star wars news that i had you know barely just been getting glimpses at uh while i was on the road and stuff so i'm all caught up now read all these articles and stuff before we uh, started recording tonight so um let's dive right on in here um and a very belated may the fourth be with you to everybody because we didn't do an episode <laughs> for that either uh happy star wars day happy 25th and or 25th i'm thinking it was on may 25th 40th anniversary of star wars um and so, also yeah. forget another milestone 15th anniversary for attack of the clones let's not forget that one yeah i mean it's not quite as big as you know 40 years for the original <laughs> star wars but um yeah for me I mean, being alive during that time when the new star wars movie came out especially for the prequel era is 15 years and man, it's going to be 20 years and just two more for the Phantom Menace. That's going to be hard to believe. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's crazy. As long as those movies, it's not like it took to come out and now they're, you know, going to be 20 years old and like Tackle is 15 years old. That's, so in a way that's more hard to believe for me than Star Wars, a new hope being 40 years, just because <laughs> I wasn't alive when that movie first came out. So yeah, neither was I, but yeah, man, geez, you're making me feel old now. <laughs> this thing about Phantom Menace going to be 20 years and, you know, two more years from now. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's cool at the same time bad because, like you said, it's just making us feel older and older. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not even that old, but still, you know, I was like eight when that came out and it doesn't feel like that long ago. Um, But anyway, looking forward to, uh, you know, the, the next movies here in the franchise – um, man, just all or these before they start making us feel old when it's 20 years later. <laughs> I don't see. I wasn't even going to go there. I'm like, I don't want to think about what it's going to be like, you know, when I've got kids or grandkids or whatever. And it's like the 30th anniversary of the force awakens. And I'm like, <laughs> I remember when that came out. Oh man. My yeah, dad and I were on, our, my dad <laughs> and I were trying on our phones, trying to get through to this thing we had back in the day called Fandango. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> Who knows how we're going to buy tickets and even see movies 30 years from now. <laughs> yeah, man, that'll be crazy. But, um, yeah, wow. That, that's, yeah, let's get to The Last Jedi. <laughs> yeah, always in motion is the future. We don't need to worry about that right now. <laughs> Keep your mind here and now where it belongs. Yes. <laughs> um, which, you know, my mind belongs right here because I can't stop thinking about how cool these Last Jedi pictures are. Um, man, I always love when we get these, these big dumps of, uh, yeah. not just leaked pictures, but actual, you know, official on set shots and everything from like Vanity Fair or Ent- Entertainment Weekly or, you know, all these, uh, different publications that get, you know, sort of the, the exclusive access to, um, post these images or have kind of the first stories and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, so Vanity Fair this time has got the scoop on The Last Jedi. They've got four different covers for, the issue that I guess is when is this hitting newsstands? Like it's not out yet, even though all the Im- all the info is online already. Yeah, um, I believe it's next week. I think June sixth. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I'm just scrolling through your post here on the website. Yeah, June sixth, and uh, I guess if you live in New York or Los Angeles, it's available today, which you know May thirty first as we're recording this. Um, but yeah, so they got four different covers: one with uh, Luke and Ray on the front, um, one with the awesome looking trio of the first order baddies with Kylo Ren, General Hux and Captain Phasma. Um, and then one with our resistance heroes 
with Poe Dameron, Finn, and uh, Rose, as well as BB-8, and then uh, the final cover with just uh, Leia on the front. Um, and then, but getting into the actual images that were then posted, like, from within the magazine, I mean, man, how can you, like, just not get excited looking at all these new Star Wars images here? Um, we've got kind of the, the big main one is Ray with the lightsaber. It's just a really cool shot with her, you know, kind of on the cliffs of Octo with the, the mountains and the sea off in the distance. We've got one of her in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon with Chewie. Um, Kylo Ren with his new outfit on full display, swinging his lightsaber up in the air. Uh, we've got the new character played by Benicio Del Toro, who is still as yet unnamed at this point. Um, and you and I were, were kind of having a debate about this earlier as to whether he's actually going to be an unnamed character in the movie or if they just haven't announced his name yet. Um, but either way, we don't know who this guy is, except that he's kind of a, a shady scoundrel type. And uh, everyone on set calls him DJ. So yeah, um, you might be seeing him spinning some turntables. And, and well, and Ryan, <laughs> yeah, and Ryan Johnson <laughs> said we'll know why they call him DJ. Um, so yeah, who knows? Maybe maybe he is a DJ. I don't know. Um, and then we've got Laura Dern's character, who is I'm scrolling down to find the name here, Vice Admiral Amelyn Haldo. Um, and looking quite unlike any vice admiral we've ever seen before, wearing like a floor-length purple dress and having pink curly hair. Um, yeah, I, I don't know where she comes from. That that's you know military garb, but um, I don't know. That, that's going to be a very interesting new character to see. I think. Um, and then uh, we've got some people and aliens from the the casino planet of Canto Bight. Is it bite or blight? It's bite, yeah. Bite, okay. It's, you know, I've read it a dozen times and now saying it out loud for the first time, I'm like, that sounds weird. Um, I know, but... I, was, I was calling it Canto Blight a few times too. I even wrote blight, like, no, wait, it's bite. Because <laughs> blight just sounds like that's what it should be, but. Yeah. But Canto Bite is this uh, casino planet that um, <clears throat> Ryan Johnson describes as basically a, a playground for rich a holes. Um, and this is kind of the sort of elite upper tier of society in the galaxy who've kind of just hidden themselves away from all the war and turmoil and stuff going on and, and are kind of just, um, I don't know, closed off to it all and, and just doing their thing, living the high life. Um, and we know that uh, Finn and Rose are going to be going on an adventure there, so... Um, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see what turns up there. Seems like the perfect place for uh, our old friend Lando to show up, but who knows? That's a good point. Yeah, <laughs> maybe he's running that. <laughs> you casino. never see. That's what I'm thinking. Like, you know, after the Force Awakens, it seems like everybody kind of just went back to what they used to do. Um, I mean, Leia's a general now and not a princess or a senator, but she's still in kind of the rebel leadership role luke went back to you know being a jedi and then that didn't work out so well and he disappeared but you know han went back to doing the same old smuggling and stuff maybe lando went back to well i guess lando did a little bit of everything he was always trying to come up with you know schemes and cons and all that kind of stuff but um also you know after being the administrator of cloud city like he clearly has kind of a taste for being in that upper echelon um so, yeah, who knows? Maybe he was like, okay, I, I did my turn running the 
you know, the, the Tabana gas mines and now I'll go take over this casino place. Or he just went back to smuggling puffer pigs. Let's hope not. <laughs> <laughs> he deserves a better fate than that. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's gosh. kind of interesting though where you know, when this new trilogy was announced, you know, we all figured on Luke and Leia will be back, but you know, would Lando be back? He obviously wasn't in the Force Awakens and doesn't look like it's gonna be in The Last Jedi. I just wonder, you know, were they really just gonna save him for one movie in episode nine or and then not have him be in the other two? Part of me is just thinking, I don't think we're gonna see Lando in this new trilogy if he's not gonna show up here in The Last Jedi. Yeah, I mean I don't know what they're gonna do with him because he's obviously too big of a character to just fade out and disappear. Um, I and mean, also too big just to have like one cameo appearance. Yeah, and we also know like they had invited uh, Dennis Lawson to come back and play Wedge for Episode Seven, and he, you know, declined. And so at least Wedge, you know, you had in the aftermath novels. Um, and I, I mean, I haven't read the third one, so I don't know like if that puts a definitive end to his character or gives an explanation for why he's not in the force awakens or anything, but at least, you know, he's explored through other stories. Um, and you would think with Lando that if we weren't going to see him in the trilogy at all, that they would have told us by now and given us an explanation and, you know, maybe written a book about him or something yeah. like that. So maybe we'll still see him at some point, but also, like you said, I think if he was going to have a, a prominent role in episode eight, then we probably would have heard that announced by now you know, at Celebration or something. Unless that's a surprise they're saving for a little bit later. But I would be very surprised if Billy D. Williams has, like, a big supporting role in this and nobody knows about it until the movie actually comes out. Yeah, that's why I'm kind um, of thinking we're not going to see him. And he probably would have spilled the beans already, <laughs> even yeah. though he's not supposed to. <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, and, you know, we could maybe see him have just, like, a cameo or a small supporting role or something um, that would maybe be bigger in episode nine, but I don't know. We'll, we'll just have to wait and see. I do hope we see him at some point, like even if not in, uh, episode eight, then, you know, whatever they've got planned for episode nine, I'm sure they could maybe fit him in there. Mm. Um, but also, I mean, it would be nice to see him show up and pay his respects to Han or something, but I don't know yeah. if they'll even have time to address that in this movie as far as, you know, some kind of like memorial or send off for him or something. Um, and it's not exactly like they've got a body to bury after Starkiller base exploded. So, um, yeah, I don't know what they're going to do with all that. But, um, I don't know if they did do something, he could maybe show up at the beginning of the movie too, though. If, yeah, I just think we would have heard about it by now. I don't see why yeah. they would keep that a secret, really. Yeah, and well, and again, I could see them keeping it a secret if it was just like a small yeah. cameo or like a real small supporting role. But no, I'm not expecting Lando to be the guy like running Canto Bite and have, you know, Finn and uh, Rose and everybody like interacting with him a lot. Um, but at the same time, like I said, it does seem like an opportune place to have him pop up if they wanted to do that. But who knows? Yep. But I don't know. Cantobite is a. See, I think it. I said it was, or I originally thought it was going to be a planet, but I think they're referring to it as a city on a planet that I don't think is named yet. So I'm not quite sure, like, if that's the actual planet name or just the name of the casino. But either way, it's a, something like we haven't seen before in Star Wars, which, you know, has me excited about it, where, you know, it's not the other cantina or, you know, how Maz Kanata's castle was a little similar to the cantina or Jabba's palace. It's, it's you know, like you said, kind of for the upper class citizens of the galaxy i guess who mm -hmm. are 
come here to you know live, live the luxury life and just see how you know that fits into the greater course of the star wars galaxy is that we haven't seen before and just you know what causes finn and rose to go there it should be interesting to too so i'm kind of fascinated with this planet just for you know visually how it's going to be different and then just how it fits into the grander scheme of things in the galaxy especially at this point during like you know the war between the first order and the resistance yeah see i'm kind of picturing something like the equivalent of like jabba's palace or the moss eisley cantina or something full of like the people that were at the opera on Coruscant in episode three. Mm, yeah. You know, some kind of mishmash That's between those two things. But mm. um, yeah, it'll be definitely interesting to see, you know, it should be uh, something new and uh, a, a new kind of setting and atmosphere that we haven't really seen before. Um, and yeah, definitely interesting to see where that whole storyline is going to take Finn and Rose, especially given what we know about, um, or what we've heard rumored about um, some other stuff about Finn's role in the movie, about him possibly going undercover within the First Order. Um, it doesn't really seem like this would be part of that same mission. Maybe that's something that happens later in the movie. Um, but, you know, just more stuff to get excited about for when we actually see it and figure out what's what. Yep. Um, and then continuing on with these images here, um, I mean, there's one of... Uh, you know, Leia and I forget the name of the character, but it's, you know, Carrie Fisher and her daughter, Billy Lord together, but in costume as their characters. Um, and then there's this great shot of Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher together as Luke and Leia. Um, yeah. Just, you know, I mean, the picture speaks for itself It's one of those, you know, picture is worth a thousand words kind of things, you know, with Carrie, Fa Carrie Fisher's passing recently and, um, just seeing how much of that emotion was felt at celebration and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know. It just adds even more, like, even if she were still alive, this would still just be a, a great shot of the two of them. But, um, you know, I, I feel like now there's just so much more like real world emotion in the shot of, you know, just this embrace of a brother and sister. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Both that image and, the one with uh, her and Billy Lord just pulled out the heartstrings now, knowing you know that Carrie Fisher is no longer with us. But that one with her and Mark Hamill in full costume as Luke. I mean, we know they're posing for the photo shoot for the Vanity Fair issue, but there's a part of me that's really hoping we get something like this in the actual movie, where mm -hmm. not only where they meet, but you know they kind of have you know a warm embrace like this, where they haven't seen each other for so long and they're just so happy to see each other and kind of at peace. So. Mm -hmm. I kind of really hope something like that's in the movie, but yeah, this that image just really captures, you know, like the special bond that they have. It really is one of the one of the best images, if not the best, from this whole Vanity Fair issue. It's just really, really good. Yeah, definitely. I think it's definitely one that will be an iconic shot for for Star Wars fans for years to come. Like this is one of those that you're gonna see, you know, years from now in just you know, sort of collections of Star Wars pictures or when we're thinking back on, you know, the marketing that led up to episode eight. No, oh, remember when all this stuff came out and got us all excited? Like, I think this is one that, uh, you know, that people are going to go back to. Yeah, totally. Um, and then also there's another shot right after that of, uh, or at least, I mean, this is in the order you've got them here on our website, but um, th this also just great shot of ryan johnson and kathleen kennedy and mark hamill and carrie fisher sitting together on set um and again with mark and carrie in their costumes as their characters and it's just like man what i wouldn't give to be 
there and you know hearing what those guys are talking about yeah. <laughs> i mean it does say and because uh, i was looking through the actual vanity fair article too and i think the caption under it said something about you know having downside downtime on set between takes so for all we know they could have just been goofing off or talking about you know the score of the yankees game or whatever but um <laughs> you know but still just I don't know. It's just such a great shot. And there's something about Luke and Leia in these images too. Um, there's, it's, it's hard to describe, but it's, there's definitely sort of a, a regal sort of awe inspiring thing to their, I mean, maybe it's their costumes. Maybe it's just seeing these older versions of the characters. I think part of it probably has to do with this high collared outfit that Leia is wearing, but I think part of it too is just seeing Luke and Leia together on screen again yeah. and seeing her as this prolific general. Not that the resistance is exactly like a high and mighty, you know, prolific army, but still, you know, seeing her in this in this position of power and seeing Luke as a Jedi master, even though we know things haven't exactly gone well for him, at least in these pictures, they they both look very sort of poised and dignified, and it's almost like man, these are our heroes and they, you know, grew up and got old and turned into like even more awesome heroes or, you know, like, uh, I don't know. It's like I said, it's, it's hard to put into words, but it's, there's just something sort of really awe-inspiring about it to me, at least. No, I know what you mean, but for me, I, the way I'm thinking of how it affects me, where as soon as we got the announcement that we're getting a new trilogy, I mean, we automatically is thought and couldn't wait to see you know what han luke and leia would be up to and what they you know look like now 30 years after return of the jedi and you know we all know we didn't see luke in any of the promotion or mark hamill as luke in any promotional stuff for the force awakens and we just saw him the last minute or two in the movie and seeing this image with mark hamill and carrie fisher as luke and leia in that shot it's kind of showing me what i expected and was hoping to see once we got that first announcement of seeing these characters again at this age, because, you know, Luke being my favorite character from the original trilogy, he was the one I couldn't wait to see, you know, what he looked like, what he's up to at 30 years after Return of the Jedi. And now that we're amongst this era with The Last Jedi, we know he's going to have a big role in it. Seeing Mark Hamill now in these promotional shots for as Luke in costume with Carrie Fisher in costume as Leia, it's getting me that feeling that you were talking about too, where, it was something we were expecting to see and get us really excited about since it was announced in 2012 and how we couldn't wait to see that moment of these characters together again. And while we didn't get Luke with Han in the force awakens and just a little bit of Han and Leia together, we now, at least in these promo shots, we know, well, it actually has been confirmed that uh, Luke and Leia are going to have a scene, at least one in the last Jedi. So just knowing that we're seeing all the, not all at the same time, but, the characters got to be with each other again, at least for a few moments in this new trilogy. So I think that's what's getting me like just so excited about seeing these images is going back to that moment or even before like we got the announcement how we never thought we would see it. But here we are seeing these classic characters together again that, you know, for a long while we didn't think we would see in a movie. So I think that adds to that, you know, awe-inspiring feeling that you get when you see that image of Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher together as their characters because yeah I know exactly what you mean you just get that special feeling when you see it yeah well thank you I think you hit hit the nail right on the head and said what I was trying to say in my incessant rambling <laughs> I think if either like 
as a kid or at least you know a few years ago when we first found out that the force awakens was happening and knew that han and luke and leia were coming back but before we had seen any promotional materials or had seen anything actually from the movie if you had just said like you know imagine what it'll look like seeing luke and leia together again after all these years looking at this picture i'm like holy crap that's it like mm -hmm. and it's not just that we're seeing it but it's that it's like exactly maybe not exactly what i would have pictured but exactly like what i would have hoped for yeah. you know it's not it's not different in any bad kind of way it's not like oh well that's not what i expected it's like no that is like 100% luke and leia no totally and, yeah cause... and it's just so cool to see and i mean we know that you know the their characters might not be what we expected because you know, obviously they've been through a lot um, in those 30 years and, uh, you know, stuff that sort of affected them emotionally. And, you know, Leia, of course, is dealing with not only the loss of her son, but now the loss of Han as well. And Luke has, you know, is dealing with the destruction of his whole Jedi Order and has gone into exile. And so, you know, once we see them in the movie, it's like, well, are they going to live up to our expectations? Maybe we'll have to see. But at least for now, just looking at this picture, it's like those are the heroes of my childhood now 30 years later and they look exactly like I would have hoped they would. Yep. Totally agree. Cause we all, at least for me and I'm sure for most Star Wars fans too, you know, we would assume that Luke would, you know, kind of have the more Obi-Wan look with the beard and the Jedi robes that we didn't necessarily see him in, in the original trilogy. And that's exactly what it looks like mm -hmm. in this shot. And he even has a glove, a Brown glove covering his robotic hand and, I think it looks cool, but there's just something about, you know, just having that robot hand just out there not being covered. I think that looks cool. Just exactly how it was in The Force Awakens when he pulls off his hood and you see the robotic hand. But I guess it's not practical to have it, you know, not covered throughout as he travels throughout the galaxy. So, yeah, be it, it's that definitely not practical for practical for ILM's budget. Um, <laughs> but also, and one small note, um, I think now we can definitely say for sure in the trailer, it was Luke who was dusting off that book when yeah. we see the shot of that. Um, Cause I noticed it was like a Brown glove and I was like, well, Luke used to have a black glove and then we just saw him with the metal hand. Like maybe he made Ray put on some gloves to handle these old dusty books. But now it's like, Oh, that's the same glove from the trailer. Now we know. Yep. Now is he going to read passage from that books to Ray? Is he going to hand the books to Ray? That's the question now. <laughs> we know it's Luke, but what's he going to do with that book once he picks it up or opens it? And that is what I'm paying good money to find out when yeah. December 15th <laughs> rolls around. Uh, for sure. Yeah, man, I'm telling you, I, I think I've probably said this before, and I said this many times during our panel on uh, this past Saturday at Phoenix Comic Con. Like, this movie could be a... It could be two hours of luke just teaching ray about jedi mythology and lore of you know the force and all that kind of stuff and i would happily pay money to see that over and over mm -hmm. again yep. like i mean obviously i want to see more of poe and finn and kylo ren and the resistance and the first order and all that good stuff but i i would also be content with a two-hour jedi history lesson and obviously i'm not expecting that's what the movie's going to be like we know there's going to be other stuff going on and the general audience at large probably wouldn't be as enthralled with that as we diehard fans would be. But that is definitely 
the stuff I'm most looking forward to seeing in this movie um, is just, you know, Ray training with Luke, him teaching her about the Force, us finding out what is going on in his head, um, you know, why he decided to leave, what he's been doing all these years, and what he's discovered about the Force that makes him say it's time for the Jedi to end. Um, man, just, yeah, like... If those are the only things we get to see and those are the only questions we get answered, I'll be okay with that. One hundred percent in agreement with you. Yeah. <laughs> it could just be one long movie on Acto and yeah, I'd be happy. <laughs> but speaking of that, uh one of the more interesting things that Ryan Johnson said about uh Luke and Acto I, 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 I said this before too. I gotta know what the exact pronunciation. Acto, Acto. <laughs> yeah, I'm going with Acto for now. Or Oct- I'll just say Acto wait. Octo. I think Acto kind of rolls off the tongue easier, but yeah. I feel like I've maybe been saying Octo too, but I don't know. I definitely don't like saying Act 2 because that just sounds like the second part of the movie. I know. <laughs> That's what I've been saying the most uh, also, but like I got to – I kind of agree with you there where I don't think they'll have it sound like that, so – Octo, but maybe Acto maybe it's maybe it's metaphorical and like self-referential though that now – the Force Awakens is the first part of the trilogy, and that's done and over with. And now Ray is going on to Act Two. That wouldn't surprise me <laughs> if they did that way, really. <laughs> but anyway, regardless of how you pronounce it, uh, Ryan Johnson in one of his quotes from the Vanity Fair article is that um, you know it is you did confirm that it is home to the first Jedi Temple. You know that's what Han alluded to in the Force Awakens, but he says you know it is where the first Jedi Temple is going to be. That he says that. Um, Luke has been living with some indigenous race of caretaker creatures, and he just said or described them as not being Ewoks. Converties! <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but that's I thought of the same thing, too, when I, once I heard that. But the other interesting part, he goes, regarding Luke training Ray, he goes, Ryan Johnson, this is, says, there's a training element to it, but it's not exactly what you'd expect. And that got me intrigued, where, you know, because... Even just in that, we all assumed that's what's going to happen after The Force Awakens, and then there's that one shot in the teaser, that awesome shot where from a distance you see Rey swinging the lightsaber and you see Luke kind of watching over her. It looks like she's going to be getting some training, but is it, when he says it's not what you would expect, is it, you know, the reasoning for the training, the way Luke's training her, or, you know, the reasons or the motivations for Luke doing it? So I was going to be curious to see what he means by that, where it's something we wouldn't expect. So if anything, you know, shouldn't be expecting another... Uh, Yoda training Luke on Dagobah as much as probably going to evoke some similarities to that now I'm going to be expecting something really different since Ryan Johnson said that that we shouldn't expect it to be exactly the same as that yeah I mean I wouldn't necessarily expect something hugely different because obviously like you said we've seen the shot of Rey swinging the lightsaber around we hear the stuff in the trailer with Luke telling her to breathe and reach out and you know use your feelings and what do you see and all that kind of stuff But at the same time, I kind of am expecting it to be different from what we've seen before because in the same trailer, you have him presumably teaching her to use the Force, but then you also have him saying it's time for the Jedi to end. So I don't think he's going to be training her going like, you know, a Jedi uses the Force for knowledge and defense, so you must become a Jedi, learn the ways of the Jedi. Oh, never mind, it's time for the Jedi to end. Like, I think he's going to be approaching this a little bit differently. Um and you know or i I wonder too if it's going to be like you know she's there wanting to train with luke but he won't do it but so maybe she decides to do it on her own like practice her saber training maybe 
learn as much as you can about the force on the planet on her own but luke mm-hmm. kind of sees her doing it maybe is impressed with what uh, he sees from her and her force abilities and kind of reluctantly agrees to train her more as he like watches her do it herself so maybe that would be you know a different way of going about it too yeah i mean yeah i could maybe see that i mean the one thing that i really don't want to have happen in this movie is just for luke to be like it's time for the jedi to end and ray to be like no it's not train me and him be like oh okay fine um yeah i think it'd be a lot more interesting if luke you know agrees to train her in the force but like you were saying don't necessarily do it in the traditional jedi ways exactly that he's gonna do you know some brand new way of training for the force that no one else has done but maybe his time on octu has you know showing him a better way to do things in his mind anyway so and one possibility too i mean maybe he trains her in both the light side and the dark side maybe he's trying to sort of eliminate maybe by saying he it's time for the jedi to end maybe he wants to sort of eliminate that distinction between the light and the dark and just have it be like let's just use the force and learn you know train in the ways of the force and listen to what the force is telling us and just sort of embrace all of it as this whole thing and then you know use it judiciously like use it for for what we deem to be right and for the good of the galaxy but not get sort of caught up so much in the black and white of oh this is light side this is dark side you see i don't know about that because there's part of me that thinks luke should never do anything for the dark side even if it is kind of embrace the whole aspect of the forest because something about the way he you know rejects that return of the jedi i would like for it to be you know that's the definitive moment where luke will never touch the dark side even be curious to expand his knowledge of the dark side like he rejected it then and there and he'll never have part of it for the rest of his life i mean at least that's the way i like to think of it so Mm -hmm. if he was to kind of do something like that in this it would kind of lessen that a little bit for me which i don't want to see and i can understand but i'm not i'm like the way i'm picturing it it wouldn't be him going like oh but what's over there on the dark side i'm saying like let's just totally break down these barriers altogether and it's not like oh let's use the light side and the dark side let's just use the force and this is one thing that I've always wondered, too, and, and something that I've kind of been curious about and kind of wanted to explore. I even kind of tried to, to touch on this in my uh, my Star Wars fan film that I directed a couple years ago. Um, just sort of I always thought it was an interesting question of like light side versus dark side in terms of like force powers and abilities and, and stuff like that. And you know especially in video games there's always kind of this distinction of you know you might have your different skill trees and whatever and it's like the mind trick and the healing and the force push and stuff those are all light side abilities and then the choke and the lightning and the you know all that kind of stuff is dark side powers but it's like wouldn't it like wouldn't your intentions and the way that you use it determine whether it's good or evil as opposed to whether it's just something that's labeled as a dark side force power Mm. um you know if if someone's about to murder a bunch of children and the only way for you to stop them is to zap them with force lightning is that evil have you turned to the dark side then Mm -hmm. um you know so maybe that's kind of the the direction that luke is thinking yeah that's an interesting point that is a good point actually yeah as far as uh knowledge or the attacks or whatnot necessarily being evil but just how you use them yeah because you're right they all those 
techniques usually get categorized either light or dark <laughs> in a lot of different mm-hmm. scenarios. So, yeah, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, and I think it's also more just sort of more just in the the philosophy and the approach to it in terms of just opening yourself up to all of the force because mm-hmm. you know just because you you don't distinguish between the light and the dark doesn't mean that you have to like shoot lightning and and force choke people like i'm not expecting to see luke do that except we already saw him force choke gamorian guards in return of the jedi and I think that was kind of something that George did, like, at the very beginning of the movie where you see Luke walk in as this mysterious hooded figure to maybe make the audience ask, like, oh, has he gone dark? Has he, you know, turned to the dark side? Or kind of now that he knows Vader's his father, has he kind of already started adopting some of his tendencies? But then, of course, you see him you know, out on the sail barge spring into action as the the Jedi hero. And like you said, later in the movie, he you know, completely rejects the dark side. So, you know, to me, that's almost just like he's using whatever means were at his disposal. And as far as we can tell, it didn't look like he killed those guys. He was just trying to get him out of his way. So, you know, maybe this is something that, you know, kind of goes all the way back to that, like him just kind of doing what he has to do and using whatever means the Force provides. And again, it's more the, the intention and the purpose behind it um, and you know your own mindset um, that makes it good or evil, as opposed to like the actual act or you know whatever particular force skill you're using. Mm. Yeah, totally agree. But as far as you know, this is a big reason why you and me just can't wait for the last Jedi stuff. Exploring more yes. stuff in this aspect of the force, and this is what Luke's been doing on the, that planet. So yeah, it's going to be awesome to get the answers, regardless of what we're speculating on right now which is going to be great to learn what exactly luke has been up to and what he plans to do uh with ray now that she's there and just to see what's gonna motivate him to get back into the galaxy so it's just gonna be awesome to see all that unfold yeah absolutely um and on the reverse side of that spectrum um you know speaking of the dark side of the force can we just talk for a second about these first order villains in this other image here. Um, you didn't actually post this one in our, uh, on the post on our website, but I'm just looking at the picture on Vanity Fair and it's kind of just an expanded uh, image of um, what's on the, one of the covers where it's got um, Kylo Ren and Phasma and General Hux all together. Um, but man, just can't wait to see more, more from these guys as well. And, the three of them together are just looking freaking awesome. Yeah, Although, of I, with an asterisk, because Kylo and Phasma are both missing their helmets. Yeah. <laughs> but in Phasma's case, I think it's awesome that we're seeing her without her helmet on. Because, you know, she wore it the whole time during The Force Awakens and all the promotional stuff, too. And we've seen Kylo Ren without his helmet on in The Force Awakens. So that's not truly a big deal that we're seeing it on the cover in this image here except you know for those added scars but i think it's really cool that they decided to show phasma without her helmet and even in the article too i think it was like the day later where pablo hidalgo was talking about you know some of the behind the scenes stuff where you know they had to decide for the last jedi you know is are we phasma actually going to be a human are we going to go that route like we need a definitive answer right now to see you know to decide what species is going to be they go yeah they're going to keep her a human and all that and yeah kind of forget if they specifically said if we're going to see her without the helmet in the actual movie, but I'm 
betting that we are. I mean, they're mm-hmm. using it in the promotional stuff right here for the Vanity Fair cover. And I kind of think that's just a little tease of, you know, what we're going to see here in the movie, both with the helmet. We know she's going to wear it in the movie from the trailer. And, but now I think this is hinting that we're going to see her without it, too. And plus having the, an awesome new weapon, too, with that spear, which it made me think about the early rumors we had for The Force Awakens where this is going to have a lightsaber where the handle was going to be like a wampa tooth or something like that. But mm-hmm. <laughs> none of that panned out. It's awesome. I think it'd be cool to see a Captain Phasma or a cool trooper armor with a lightsaber. It's probably cool to, and best to have her own unique weapon, too. And just, you just better use it. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Don't have it just be a thing she's holding and never wields it. I want to see her put that thing into action. So Yeah. yeah. Well, they said something, too, that it's a uh, it's actually like some kind of pole arm that's collapsible mm. and you know, condenses down to like a smaller thing that she can carry. And then it extends out to this longer weapon when she needs to fight with it. I'm like, they wouldn't add that feature unless we were actually going to see that happen. Would they? Yeah. Was, as much as her appearance as the force awakens was a disappointment. Part of me thinks, yeah, I don't, like I would have put it past them to make a cool looking weapon, but never see it in action. Cause they created a cool piece of armor and never saw it in action in episode seven. But, yeah, it's true. Uh, yeah. I'm, Right now, I'm in the mindset that, yeah, they learned their lesson for The Force Awakens, and we're going to see her use that weapon. Yeah, and I mean, I'm in the mindset that, I mean, yeah, obviously Phasma was just kind of this small background character in The Force Awakens who didn't really do much, but they very easily could have just left her in that trash compactor and let her blow up with Starkiller base, and the fact that she got out and that they're continuing on with her story, I'm like, there has to be a point to that. Mm -hmm. Like... I mean, aside from the fact that just, you know, she looks cool and sure could, you know, sell more action figures and stuff and that you want to have some kind of figurehead commanding the troops of the First Order, but you could have anybody do that. Um, You know, I mean, just look at all the different variations of trooper armor and stuff we've got. And heck, you got the dude with the, uh, the stun baton or whatever in The Force Awakens who, like, got more of a spotlight than she did when it came yep. to fighting or something. <laughs> so you easily could have found some trooper to replace her if it was just going to be just as small of a role as she had in The Force Awakens. So in my mind, I'm like, they wouldn't go through the trouble of actually, like, making a comic to describe, to tell the story of how Phasma got out of the trash compactor and, you know, how, how she's going to set up for Episode Eight. Unless there was like a significant purpose to it. And I'm not saying she's going to be like the new main villain or anything, but, um, you know, I'm just expecting to see her do more and learn more about her character um, than what we did in The Force Awakens. Yep. They're even kind of building up her new weapon to be some of, you know, not big significance for the movie, but for her character anyway, because... Um, they did say that that spear is going to is part of or connected to Phasma's history, which we're going to learn more about in the comic coming out in September, where I think it's being described to where Pablo Hidalgo says her background is more low tech than many would assume. So it sounds like someone, you know, came from humble beginnings, so to speak, maybe, you know, from a family or a planet where their citizens, you know, are probably the opposite of what <laughs> the citizens on Canto Bite are going to be. But mm-hmm. she rose to ranks within the First Order and, you know, got this awesome armor and hopefully an awesome weapon that we'll see in action in the Force, or not the Force Awakens, but The Last Jedi. So, yeah, even this, that, seeing that one shot of Gwendolyn Christie in her armor without her helmet on, her new weapon, and then hearing what Pablo Hidalgo had to say about her in the short little uh, section of the Vanity Fair issue just got me more excited to see her that she's coming back for 
The Last Jedi. Just, you know, can't wait to see your reaction. Hopefully this time not leave the theater saying, oh, everything was great about uh, The Force Awakens, but I was just so disappointed in the thing I was really excited <laughs> to see. <laughs> and we'll yeah. That. So hopefully well, that's not the case this time. Yeah, I was going to say you're, you're on a, sh- a pretty good streak so far. I mean, you started at a low point with Phasma and then Rogue One got better with the Death Troopers. Yes, so hopefully, you know, with Episode Eight. You know, they'll just keep taking your your what you think is going to be your favorite trooper character and just making them more and more awesome as the series progresses. I would like nothing more. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm I'm actually pretty excited too. seeing, you know, this new weapon, seeing that it actually is Gwendolyn Christie under the helmet, which is kind of funny because it was never really a question for me. And when. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. Reading that thing where Pablo Hidalgo said, like, OK, we have to decide, like, is Phasma actually human? Because. We never really quite agreed on that because you never actually saw her face in The Force Awakens. So we hadn't really determined like what species her character was or anything. And I'm like, huh, really? I just kind of assumed it was yeah. Brienne of Tarth under there the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Which would have sucked for Gwendolyn Christie unless, you know, it was an alien where, you know, it would have her face, but she'd be covered in makeup. But it would have sucked if they decided to make uh, an alien creature where it had to be CG or someone or with a actual costume mask on there and she just did the voice for it that would have been <laughs> you know i'm sure yeah. she would have been disappointed if that was the case but yeah thankfully it's not yep um i'm trying hard not to make snarky david prowse uh, comparisons right now <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah and i you know hopefully we get to see her you know we'll see her face or whatever as well in the movie um and you know maybe get a little more of her backstory and whatnot. I'm pretty interested to see what's uh, what they're going to do with her in that comic too. Um, but anyway, so she's looking cool. And then of course we got Kylo Ren in full new outfit, which is not that much different from his old outfit. But you know we'd heard this described in rumors and stuff, and then kind of gotten a glimpse at it through uh, like a leaked promo image from Battlefront. And now here he is, um, you know, full on frontal view of this new costume with the cape and everything um and like i said it looks pretty similar to his old one um but i think it's uh, like the the biggest difference obviously is that it's got a cape um and no helmet from at least what we can tell here we know we'll see the helmet at least at some point in the movie but it looks like you know, from the trailer, the helmet was smashed on the floor and most of the promotional stuff that we've seen so far, whether it's, you know, this stuff here or that battlefront stuff or even, you know, the shots of him in the trailer. Um, I think it's pretty safe to say right now that he probably won't be wearing that mask much um, in the new movie, unfortunately. Uh, you know, sad for people like me that love it, but um, I think... You know, maybe he's kind of trying to forge his own path now or, you know, become his own villain, or at least the, from a marketing standpoint, they're trying to do that. Because also, I can't tell you how many times already I've, you know, either worn my Kylo Ren costume or, or had, you know, shown somebody a picture of it or something. Somebody who was like not a big Star Wars fan at all, you know, just like some old lady from church who'd comment on a picture on Facebook or something and like people think it's Darth Vader. And I'm like, <laughs> no, like how. It's. I know it's supposed to evoke the same sort of imagery, but, like, that's not Darth Vader. Did Darth Vader have, like, silver rings around his eyes? And no, Vader's got the triangle breath, you know, the, the mask thing in the front. And, you know, like, again, obviously we can tell the difference, but I guess to, 
you know, the general masses, maybe they just thought it was too confusing. Um, or they at least wanted to have, you know, a villain for this new trilogy who could kind of stand more on his own and not just be like a Darth Vader wannabe. Um, so, you know, I, I guess I can kind of understand them taking that route, though I will terribly miss that helmet. Um, and I'm going to keep cosplaying that version of it, uh, mostly because I look nothing like Adam Driver under the helmet. So I'm going to keep the helmet on. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, just, I would just think it would be a waste, though, to limit that awesome design of that helmet for just one movie. I mean, I <laughs> tell that to George with Boba Fett and Darth Maul. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's like they kept Mark, especially with the force awakens, you know, the new, at least from the visual point, the new face of the trilogy, like it harkens to Darth Vader as he was the face of the original trilogy. I was thinking that's how it was going to be with Kylo Ren. And I think he will wear his helmet maybe for a little bit in the last Jedi. But again, just going off that trailer, something bad's going to happen to it. <laughs> where we probably won't have it maybe at, I'm just picturing at the end of the movie, he's not going to be wearing it at all, but which would be disappointing. Cause I wanted to see him in some type of action sequence or a lightsaber duel with the helmet on. Cause we got a little bit of him, you know, deflecting Ray's blast on taco Donna before he captured her and striking down Laura Senteca, but in an actual lightsaber duel with that helmet on is something I think would be really cool to see. And I don't know, I'm not quite sure we're going to get that now. That's true. Although I'm sure Adam Driver's not too unhappy about that. Um, <laughs> hey, they could always CG it on like they did for that one scene when uh, he was talking to Snoke. And I think it was the scene where he tells or reveals that Han Solo is his father. I think that was the one where the mass was all CG in that oh, was it? sequence. Yeah. Oh, weird. Um, but yeah, see, I think that's part of it, though, too. Like the reason that the mask was such a big part of the imagery in the first movie was kind of the mystery of who's underneath it. And now that we know that, maybe it's not so important to to keep that as part of it, um, aside from it just looking really cool. Um, but, you know, like with Darth Vader, we didn't find out till the end of the second movie who he was underneath. And then we also find out that he's more machine than man and kind of needs all that stuff. Um, and with Kylo Ren, like now the kind of the, the cat's out of the bag as far as like who this guy actually is um, and who's under that helmet. You know, maybe they were just trying to kind of go in a different direction there. Yeah. And even already we're seeing, you know, from the promotional stuff, the first teaser poster, it's Kylo without his helmet on. So we could probably yeah. expect more of that as the promotion ramps up as the movie gets close to release. There's more stuff with Kylo without his helmet. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you got General Hux over there in the corner going, nobody's talking about me. But... <laughs> I think his sideburns look longer. <laughs> maybe his hair does look kind of sleeked back a little bit more too or maybe it's just that he's not wearing the hat yeah <laughs> i don't know um he's looking as pale and angry as ever um but hey i wasn't expecting hux to make it out of the force awakens so just him being in the last jedi is gonna be a win for him <laughs> yeah see i wasn't <sighs> i'm trying to think back now i'm like was i expecting him to make it out of the force awakens because I assumed one bad guy had to die and not make it out of there. But I was <laughs> I was kind of thinking the same, but I guess I was, I don't know, maybe I thought it was going to be Phasma. But then she ended up not really doing much at all. But Hux, I feel like Hux I just kind of cared about the least and still do, obviously. And so it's like if they were going to kill somebody off, he's kind of the most expendable. But also it would be like the least emotionally impactful. Um, you know, whether you feel bad for him or whether you're just like, 
yeah, he's dead finally, you know, either way, like, I don't think people would have that big of a reaction to killing him off yet, but, um, you know, who knows? We just know in The Last Jedi, he's going to be, at at every chance he's get, he's going to want to rub it in Kylo's face that, you know, he failed, (laughs) that, you know, bringing uh, Ray to Snoke, he's probably going to blame the whole fiasco on Starkiller base because of him. Yeah. And I'm sure he's going to, you know, from the conversations they had in the force awakens and now they were butting heads with each other i'm sure he's going to be throwing this at kylo ren's face as much uh, opportunities that he can throughout the last jedi mm-hmm. yeah i i'm i can definitely see more tension you know continuing between the two of them as this goes on although i mean do either of them really i'm like you know how it wasn't exactly Kylo's fault that uh, Starkiller Base got blown up. Yeah, well, I, I mean, guess I mean for both of their point of views, and they're gonna blame each other. But I think Hux has, you know, Kylo's Ren's failure. I think is more obvious than Hux. I mean, he, you know, first he let Rey escape, and then you know he couldn't defeat her in the lightsaber duel at the mm-hmm. end. So, oh yeah, well I'm sure he'll probably rub that in his face. But if he had defeated Ray, Starkiller Base still would have blown up. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Unless <laughs> you know, it was his responsibility to stop you know Han and Finn and Ray and Chewie from planning those yeah bombs in the first place. So. That's what I was gonna say. Is that if anything, maybe he should have stopped uh, you know Han and Chewie, but he did stop Han. Um, and he survived getting shot by Chewie, so, yeah, I don't know. It was all done on his watch. I mean, he was in the same room where they planted those detonators, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, true, but he did come in after they were done planting the detonators. And then he killed Han, and Chewie just pressed a button, and everything blew up. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, then he, he could... He was more involved than Hux was the whole time. Yeah, Hux but then he could have told Hux, you know, hey, if you had planned better or had better forces or something, and, you know, you're, why did your TIE fighters even let Poe Dameron get into the fusion <laughs> reactor thing in the first place? Yeah, the first scene is just going to be a blame game for each other. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you would have done this, but if you would have done this. Perhaps Leader Sh- Snoke should consider using a clone army. Well, maybe he should consider cloning an apprentice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, although I wouldn't mind hearing Kylo Ren bring up the clone army again. That would be nice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I doubt he's going to you know make that same reference twice, but who knows? We'll take any nods to the prequels we can get at this point. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I am glad that lightsaber is back though, because um, I mean it did kind of look like at the end of the Force Awakens when you know Ray defeats him at the end, it looked like she cut his lightsaber in half or something, um, or did you know did something to turn it off and she slashed at him. I thought she at least you know damaged it or something. Not that he couldn't fix it though. I mean the thing was already pretty damaged and like looking like it was cobbled together to begin with so um you know if she destroyed it or damaged it or something i'm sure he probably just put it right back together yeah but um yeah great looking shot of those three um and yeah i mean but between where kylo ren is going to go next and what's going to be going on with uh you know luke and ray on octo i'm like can this movie just be out already I know <laughs> it's moving fast though. I gotta say, 2017's moving along pretty nicely. So it is actually gonna be here before you know it. Yeah, it's been going by pretty quick, and that's not even to mention anything about Snoke because he wasn't in the article at all. 
um or you know we didn't see any shots of him but um anyway so <laughs> we've just gotten through all the images now let's talk about some of the details and stuff um that we've you know that that they have uh released along with this and kind of subsequently in the following days um we talked about uh this vice admiral haldo already um but they say that uh, with her different hair color that we've seen for in star wars for most human characters pablo hidalgo confirms that she is human but says that her hair color is the way it is because of her cultural background um and i think even i was just reading something on like making star wars or something like that maybe they were talking about one of those lego sets that got leaked and you know we'll get to that a little bit later but um they're also saying that at some point there was maybe a leaked image or something of her in a different outfit so at least she's probably not gonna be wearing that robe for the whole movie but it seems like she will have the pink hairdo the whole time and i guess that's just who knows maybe she's from canto bite um which now you know looking at her uh you know her outfit and everything seems like she would fit right in there yeah which is you know when her description came out in her name, she was, you know, a resistance officer. Like, really? That's not, you know, type of look you would expect a resistance officer or any officer in general, really, to to have. But, you know, like you said, maybe it is to be on Canto Bite. Maybe she's going there. But uh, just for, as far as her outfit that she's wearing. But we know her hairstyle is going to be remaining the same. But it was just for the first image to be revealed of her and to say that she is a resistance officer, it was a little strange to see her in that type of outfit and had that kind of ranking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think we pretty much talked about all the other stuff they mentioned here about the citizens of Canto bite about, uh, captain phasma without her helmet and about, you know, her new weapon and stuff like that. Um, and then the one other thing they mentioned in here is, uh, the guy who wrote the article, um, Let's see, David Camp, he uh, was answering some questions from fans on Reddit, and uh, he said, I asked Ryan Johnson about Snoke, who slash what is he, and Ryan was fairly upfront in saying that Snoke is not a character he particularly gets into in The Last Jedi. Um, so as far as mysteries and questions and stuff being revealed in this movie, I think we can expect to find out a lot about Rey, uh, possibly even find out you know who her parents are. Um, and find out a lot about you know Luke and what he's been up to, and uh, you know like we were talking about all these mysteries of the Force and all that kind of stuff. But I guess it sounds like we won't be getting into Supreme Leader Snoke as much, at least in terms of you know finding out his actual identity if he does have an actual identity other than just Supreme Leader Snoke. But at least you know what his sort of background is, where he came from, what his motivations are. Uh, it sounds like we might have to wait till episode nine for um, more revelations from the uh, the dark side of things. Which I'm okay with, actually, because, you know, they're going to have, you know, which I assume so, you know, a good amount of this movie um, and its runtime to be focused on, you know, Ray, where she came from, answering like those questions like we've been having since The Force Awakens and, you know, also telling stories you know, with the resistance, with Finn and Poe and Finn and Rose, what they're going to be doing in the state of the galaxy. So there's all a lot of stuff to tackle in The Last Jedi, it seems. So maybe having the reveal of Snoke as far as, you know, like you said, who he is, if if he is anyone other than Snoke and where he came from, how he rose to power in the First Order. Let's save that for Episode Nine, which I think makes sense because, you know, lines up with uh, the third parts of the other trilogies where Episode Three, that was Darth Sidious Biggs coming out party where... Chancellor Palpatine made it known who he was, and then we know in Return of the Jedi that was our, 
you know, the first time Emperor Palpatine had a significant role in in that in the original trilogy. So if this one, you know, goes to that whole uh, thing where the movies rhyme with each other in certain aspects, this would fit in nicely where the main bad guy for the First Order, we'll find out more about him and he'll have a bigger role in the final chapter of the trilogy. So I think it'll all work out in the end and more than likely it would be a smart decision where he's, as Ryan Johnson puts it, he doesn't get into him in episode eight. So I think it's going to be fine. Yeah, me too. And obviously you got to save some stuff for the the last chapter as well. I mean, I'm sure mm-hmm. as much as we would all love to have all of our questions answered in The Last Jedi, it's like, A, you don't want to have the whole movie be exposition and question answering. Yeah. You want to leave room for just the, you know, the fun and the excitement and the adventuring and, you know, all the stuff that we expect from Star Wars. And B, you don't want to have uh, episode nine just be a boring conclusion once we've already found out all the important information. So um, definitely got to save some reveals and stuff for there as well. So um, at least it's good to know that we shouldn't expect any big Snoke <laughs> reveals or big integral parts to the last jedi we just at least we now know that yeah and that means we can just you know put up with another two years of snoke theories and uh play (laughs) you know plagueis and jar jar and mace windu and all the crazy things that people come up with although i mean i say crazy things i i still am not dismissing the plagueis theory i still think that's the most credible of all the uh snoke is someone we've seen before uh theories I mean, in my mind, that's the only person he could be other than just Supreme Leader Snoke. Like, he's not Palpatine. He's not Vader. He's not Tarkin. He's not, you know, all these other <laughs> ridiculous people. You see, I I can make it through another two years with Snoke theories. With Rey, no, I need to know as soon as possible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or at least... I need to know she's carrying on that Skywalker bloodline. Yeah, or <laughs> yeah, or at least get some further hints or teases or something. But nah, just just tell us already. Yeah, <laughs> I'm telling you, just start the movie with, you know, I mean, I'm assuming there'll still be an opening crawl that'll fill in, you know, probably some information about the state of the galaxy after The Force Awakens and what the Resistance and the First Order are up to. And then it's like, meanwhile, on Octo, and you see Luke and Ray standing in the same position with her holding out the lightsaber and just say, hi, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you see, I was thinking where, you know, regarding to how long we could like wait for all that type of stuff and where, what secrets do we want to learn and mysteries they're holding, where when it comes to Ray, I still think we're going to get an answer, but it's not going to be confirmed. There's still going to be debate whether they reveal who her parents are. Is it going to be those... It's going to be like with Vader, I think, you know, he said he's Luke's dad, but do we believe him? I think it's going to be something similar to that, where the debates are going to continue till mm-hmm. episode nine. That's where it's going to get confirmed. But as long as we get something <laughs> where some names or if definitive information is given in The Last Jedi, then, yeah, something that we can go off of <laughs> instead of just nothing and having to be a mystery. That's what I really don't want to go through for another two years <laughs> regarding Ray, just more mysteries. Yeah, and I don't think we will, like... I mean, like you said, I think we at least are going to get some information. Um, 
And it could be something, yeah, where maybe we find out who her parents are, but then it leaves us with questions of like, oh, wait, well, how does that work? Yeah, you know, exactly. If, if Luke is her dad, who was her mom? Or what was their relationship like? Or how did she end up on Jakku? Like, you know, those kind of questions might be saved for episode nine. Or, you know, if it turns out that she's still Han and Leia's daughter, uh, how did that all come about? Um I actually had an interesting theory posed to me by a fan at our Comic-Con panel um, who came up to me afterwards and we were just kind of chatting and he said, uh, he's like, I think Ray is Leia's daughter that she had with somebody other than Han. And I was like, I don't know if they would go that route or not, but that's the first time I've ever heard that and it's something interesting to think about. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I never even thought of that possibility, but yeah, <laughs> just what you said. I don't think they'll go that route, but it's something that, you know, you kind of have to put in there as maybe something that happened over the course of those 30 years. You don't know. Yeah, well, okay, so here's, I think here's the main question with that, and this is my fault for not having read Bloodline yet, but I can ask you because you've read it, right? Mm. Yeah, so that book takes place like five years before The Force Awakens, right? Yeah. So are Han and Leia still together at that point? Yes. Okay. Then that theory is probably moot. Um, Unless Han and Leia like broke up and got back together at some point. But it seems like, at least as far as I know, and from, you know, just with the information I've gathered and stuff. um, I mean, obviously, you know, they're they're both kind of fiery tempered and whatever and i i could definitely see them being a couple that would fight a lot and whatever but for the most part it seemed like things were generally good between them just until kylo ren turned to the dark side yeah like that was the the thing that really put a rift between them um and just neither of them really knowing how to process that grief and and how to continue on together with knowing that like hey we made a child and he murdered a bunch of people and drove luke into exile um so, and of course, you know, with that being like five years before The Force Awakens, obviously Ray was, you know, well into her life by that point. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think that would work out unless it's going to be some big shocking revelation that we didn't know about. Yeah, that's um, going to, if it goes that route, it's going to cause a lot more explanation than, you know, <laughs> it'd be a lot easier just to say her parents were Han and Leia. <laughs> yeah. But again, like if it if her parents are Han and Leia, why didn't anybody say anything about it in The Force Awakens? See, when it comes to that theory, which I'm not ruling out, I think it could be something where they think their daughter's dead. Like something happened where they think she's dead, but little they know someone took her to Jakku, and that's why they just you know don't bring her up. They just assume you know she's gone. So that is also very possible. Yeah, Ooh. so there's definitely, hmm. you know, ways around that where, at first, I was guilty of this, too, where The Force Awakens came out, just kind of ruling that out, because why wouldn't they talk about it and all that? But the more you think about it, I think there's more evidence that leads to where, you know, Han and Leia could still be her parents. Yeah. But, at the same time, then, you know, if they're going through all this grief over losing their son to the dark side, I mean, I don't know... As a parent, would that be more or less painful than just outright like thinking that your daughter is dead and you know that something happened to her as a child? Whereas at least 
you know, Ben was an adult by that time and, you know, made his own life choices. Like I would, even though that I'm sure is still, you know, is awful. Like knowing that your child went out and, you know, killed a bunch of people. Like, I don't know. Like, obviously I don't have kids, so I can't say like which one would be worse as a parent, but I would think like having a, a young child. Cause you see Ray, when she gets dropped off on Jakku, she's probably like six or seven at the oldest. Um, and you know, to have a kid that young and then like think that they're dead. Like I certainly wouldn't want to go through that. Oh yeah. This, you gotta think too, you know, was it necessary to bring that up during their conversation they're having about Kylo Ren? Cause well, was, I'm dude, thinking, I'm, I'm thinking talking like, about not seeing him for like seeing him for the first time, at least Han Solo was saying that, like I saw him and, yeah, but I'm thinking not only in terms of that conversation, but then also in terms of their relationship as a whole, like if if they're having trouble getting over Kylo Ren and like that's what drives them apart, like it could have been like the final nail in the coffin, though, like they were yeah. able to get one, losing one child, but another one like a totally different way, but it can actually be worse, you know, going to the dark side and killing others. Mm hmm. And there's just different mm. ways. I talk about this a lot with our friend Paul about, you know, raised parents. And he's really big on still the possibility of her being a, the daughter of Han and Leia. And there's certain things about The Force Awakens that we talk about that just adds these little things that made you think that. So the way Han looks at her in certain moments, the way, you know, she finishes his sentence when they're in the Falcon. It's like there seems to be a little more to it, you know, than yeah. just this girl being able to you know, think like him and kind of, Oh, um, I, I completely agree. Um, and that's what drives me nuts about this. And we've yeah. talked about this before, how, you know, Daisy Ridley keeps saying like, Oh, when I read the script, I thought it was obvious who her parents yeah, that's were. Another thing too, and I'm like, saying that. <laughs> well, is it obvious because you and Han finish each other's sentences and you can fly the Falcon like you were born to do it? Or is it obvious because Luke's lightsaber is calling to you <laughs> yeah. and, you know, not to mention, well, okay. Here's here's one str big strike against the Han and Leia parentage theory for me is when Rey is talking to Maz and she says, you know, you know whoever you're waiting for on Jakku, they're never coming back. Well, Han's right there with her. <laughs> But then yeah. also when she says they're never coming back, but there's someone who still could. And she says, Luke, that makes me think, well, does that mean Luke isn't the person she was waiting for? But does that just mean that, like, she doesn't know that Luke is her father? Or does that mean Luke isn't her father? Or is it just worded weirdly? Or yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, Daisy, stop messing with us because this is clearly not obvious. Yeah. <laughs> I know, see, this is exactly why I can't wait another two more years <laughs> to get more information <laughs> on where she comes from and who her parents are. <laughs> We're going to drive ourselves crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah. But hey, what's an episode without more speculation and theorizing about who Ray's parents are? <laughs> oh, yeah, especially when we get all this new information about exactly. uh, The Last Jedi. You knew you had to know the discussion was going here at some point. Um. So these are all things that we will hopefully see uh, you know, revealed or at least touched on in some way or another in The Last Jedi. Um, but here are five things we won't see, um, <laughs> according to this Vanity Fair article. Uh, one is, and it's specifically worded this way, a big central to the plot romance. 
Um, that doesn't mean no romance at all, but Ryan Johnson says that The Last Jedi offers no one-to-one -one equivalent of the Han and Leia burning unrequited love in our story that's not a centerpiece. Um, I am predicting at this point there's going to be some kind of relationship between Finn and Rose. Um, and I'm not just saying that because it's like a male and female character together off on an adventure because obviously we have the same thing with Finn and Rey in The Force Awakens. But um, I think even was it at Celebration where they maybe... I don't know, maybe gave some vague hints about that where they just said something like, you know, they go off on this adventure that could lead to other things or something like that. Am I remembering I think you that might be wrong? right about that. Yeah. It was pretty vague, if anything, but it was something like that where they go off on an adventure together. Yeah, I think the word other things might have been said by John Boyega, if I remember right. But yeah, uh, I think the, yeah, I think it might have been John Boyega who hinted at that. Um, but you know, obviously, you know it's it's not going to be something between two of the main characters. It's not going to be Anakin and Padme. It's not going to be Han and Leia, um, because if it were, I think it would be you know Finn and Rey. But obviously, that seems to be probably. I mean, at this point, I would say that's probably not even going to happen in this trilogy. But if it is, at least not in this movie, because Rey's going to be on Octo the whole time, training with Luke. Um, or maybe not the whole time, like they might go off somewhere, but it, it definitely seems to me like their story is going to be pretty separate from what everybody else in the resistance is doing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, if, if there is any sort of romance between any of the main characters, it's not going to be something real big and central to the story. Um, they also be more flirting more than <laughs> anything that like romance stuff. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or I mean, who knows? Maybe they just like fall in love pretty quickly and and kind of just have like a, a relationship as they're doing their thing rather. Th and I'm talking about Finn and Rose, not Finn and Ray, as opposed to it being this big sort of build up with the romantic tension and the will they won't they. Um, I don't know. Maybe they'll just click right off the bat. Um, or, yeah, maybe it'll just be like kind of a more fun, casual, flirty kind of thing. I don't know. Um, like I said, I, I think we'll probably see at least some kind of, you know, whether it's a relationship, whether it's just flirting, whatever. Um, I mean, that's in a way, it's kind of one of the staples of star Wars and just movies in general. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's always that section, you know, that, that sort of part of the audience that always is going to kind of want to see, you know, some romance in there. Um, which is fine. I mean, I, I really have no problem with it one way or the other. Um, but, you know, also like the fact that it's not going to be something big and central to the story in this movie is totally fine by me. It wasn't central to the story in The Force Awakens either. Um, and like I said, really, I mean, it's not the only thing I care about, but the most important thing to me in this movie is what's going on on Octo. And uh, it's certainly not going to be romance. So, um, you know, just all that Force stuff I'm fine with. <laughs> exactly. Um, something else we won't really be seeing is a major creature character. Um, I'm hoping this is excluding Chewie, because we know he's still going to be in it. But uh, they say The Last Jedi is rife with creatures, but Johnson says there is no major non-human character akin to Maz Kanata in The Force Awakens or Yoda in The Empire Strikes Back. Um, and he says most of the creatures are peripheral characters, but they're throughout the entire film. Um, and, you know, like we said, we saw there's going to be some new aliens on Canto Bite and all that kind of thing. And then we also heard about those 
caretaker creatures uh, with Luke on Octo that, you know, again, we heard those rumors before that they might be those, you know, Converies that we keep seeing pop up in mysterious places in Rebels. Um, but, you know, again, not like a, at least not a new character like a Yoda or a Maz type. Um, again, still hoping Chewie gets a good amount to do. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought Maz Kanata was still supposed to be in this movie. No, yeah, she definitely is. Yeah. Um, there was, I think even on Ryan Johnson's Tumblr page a while ago, he posted a behind the scenes image of uh, Lupita Nyongo doing motion capture work for it. Oh, okay. So unless she gets cut <laughs> from the final edit of the film. but Yeah. Or, I mean, yeah. And I'm wondering now, is she going to be just like part of the resistance and just kind of like a background character? You know, is she just going to be like in the room full of the Admiral Akbars and Neon Nums and everybody, you know, before the final battle? Or is she going to, you know, maybe have like a small but important role? I mean, we haven't really heard much about her. Um, and it sounds I like think... she's... If anything, she's probably going to have less of a role than she did in The Force Awakens. Yeah, I think that's probably true. I think, if anything, she's probably going to be the link that connects Luke and Rey to, you know, the Resistance, like Leia. Maybe uh, they'll be in communication with each other some way. They'll learn through Maz that, you know, we got to get off Octo and get meet up with the Resistance at some point. Or mm-hmm. she'll let Leia and the Resistance know Rey made it to Octo. She's with Luke. Or then... If something happens during their training, like she'll sense a disturbance and she'll let Leia know about it. So I think she's going to be like that communication link between uh, those two groups of heroes throughout the movie. Yeah, that could be. Um, but yeah, either way, um, no new major creature character. You know, like we said, not not anything really in the Yoda type role or anything like that. So um, I think it's safe to say Luke's going to be the Yoda type character in this movie. Yeah. Um, also, and this is kind of a random thing, I guess, and I don't know if people were really expecting this, but they said no new music from Lin-Manuel Miranda. Um, and he, of course, uh, wrote and performed Jabba Flow for uh, The Force Awakens along with J.J. Abrams, which was funny because I knew that he wrote that, but I didn't know that J.J. Abrams also, like, like, I didn't know the guy could sing as well as, you know, direct movies. Um and I'm not saying he's going to, like, win a Grammy or anything for a scene, but, like, <laughs> I, have you seen the video of, like, the two of them performing this? Um, I think it was from, it was like... Yeah, it was a while ago. Yeah, it? it was It was May the 4th last year, I think. Okay. Um, and That's it was right. while people were, like, waiting in line to get into, you know, a Hamilton show, which, of course, Lin-Manuel Miranda is the guy who, you know, put that whole thing together and stars in it and everything. Um, but it was, like, he and J.J. Abrams went outside and just, like, performed you know Jabba flow on the street and i was like what that was jj abrams singing on that <laughs> yeah i totally forgot about that <laughs> i know he was involved with it but yeah i don't remember that he like you like actually sang the actual lyrics of the song yeah that was pretty funny um it's a cool video though if you know that you might want to check out if you haven't um you know for you guys out there who are interested in all the little incidental things like that but um they do say in this uh you know blurb from the article here that um john williams entirely is composing all the music for the last jedi 
um, and that Ryan Johnson had actually considered having his cousin uh, do some of the music for, um, you know, again, some of those incidental cues, you know, cantina themes and whatnot. Um, but he says he was delighted to learn that John Williams was actually keen to do those as well. So um, everything we hear in The Force Awakens or in The Last Jedi is going to be all John Williams. Um, and of course, why wouldn't he be keen to do those? Because he wrote the cantina band theme. Yeah. <laughs> and quite honestly, no music from Lin-Manuel Miranda. It's not going to be something I'm going to be you know, crying over. That's not going to be The Last Jedi. Java Flow, you know, it's not horrible, but it's not up there with some of the classic, you know, actual like music within the Star Wars music. I mean, it doesn't hold a candle to the Cantina song. And even like, I'll even put Yub Nub ahead of Java Flow. So, <laughs> and you know how I feel about Yub Nub. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it just it didn't, feel, it didn't feel special or unique to it. I mean, it, it fit Monsters Castle, but like, you don't hum Java flow <laughs> like to yourself, like you do some of the other music that are in the Star Wars galaxy. Yeah. Well, I will say, I, I think it's probably mostly because of my sister. Like we will jam out to that in the car sometimes, but it's mostly okay. her that likes it. And then I'm like, it's more one of those kind of fun things that it's like, heck, why not? You know, I'm just sitting there bopping along to Java flow. <laughs> but um, yeah, definitely. Like you said, it's, it's not a classic, you know, 20 years from now people will still be humming the cantina band theme and they'll be like java flow what was that yeah um so yeah and i mean not that necessarily john williams can outdo himself with any kind of cantina themes or anything like that either but also you know if john williams is doing all the music for this movie i don't think anybody's gonna have a problem with that yeah. i certainly don't <laughs> no way yeah. Um, something else that they say uh, will not be in the movie is explicit political allegory. Um, and it's as though the vocabulary of Star Wars is threaded into our popular and political discourse. Um, and it gives some examples there. It says Johnson isn't keen to draw parallels between his story and current events. To me, he says the power is greatly diminished if suddenly you have a character stand up in front of the Imperial Senate who has orange hair and is saying, let's make the galaxy great again. It just cheapens it all and divides the audience. What actually matters and what these films can actually speak to are the fundamental building blocks of what makes people good, what makes people brave, uh, what things we should be fighting for. And I have to say, I completely agree with him there. Yes. Um, now, on the one hand, I do want to get a little bit more political stuff in general as far as just sort of knowing what's going on with the state of the galaxy um I mean, pretty much everything we know about how things were in the force awakens has come from books and whatnot you know when star killer base wiped out the hosnian system we didn't even know that it was the hosnian system or that that's where the republic capital was I mean, the first time I saw the movie, I was traumatized because I thought they blew up Coruscant and just <laughs> moved on to the next scene without anybody bat batting an eyelash. Um, and, uh, you know, so sure, don't spend as much time in Senate scenes as The Phantom Menace did, but like give us a little more setup so we kind of know the background and the context for all this stuff. Um I mean, that's, you know, that's what I would like to see. But yeah, definitely don't, you know, there's no need to draw direct parallels to current events and stuff like that. Um, yeah, Snoke doesn't need to be like a Star Wars figurehead for Donald Trump or, you know, anything like that. So, um, and, you know, as much as I know some people like to have, you know, their stories and, and Star Wars and other franchises and, you know, just sort of fiction in general, they want it to like ref reflect real life as much as possible. For me, I'm like, it's more sort of 
you know, the, the escapist fantasy of it is, you know, a big part of what draws me to it. And sure, you want to see things that, you know, sort of ground it and things that we can relate to and connect to. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, it doesn't need to reflect everything in real life because, you know, if we got, you know unpleasant crap to deal with here you don't want to watch a movie and see the same unpleasant crap you want to see cool stuff that you know you can just kind of enjoy watching you know jedi and heroes in space for two hours without having to be like oh yeah that reminds me of that thing i saw on the news last week mm. oh yeah i totally agree with you i actually got a little worried when i saw the headline in this section about five things we won't see in the last jedi where it says explicit political you <laughs> know before i got to the allegory i thought oh are we gonna do the force awakens again where we're mm -hmm. not gonna get any political like uh, background to the state of the galaxy, but oh, okay, <laughs> that allegory, you know, paralleling real life events, which, yeah, you don't want to see that in Star Wars. I mean, especially like even Ryan Johnson makes the example saying, like, well, let's make the galaxy great again. I mean, I've seen that line used too many times in like TV shows, some of the superhero shows that are on right now that just dated. It's kind of make you roll your eyes. Okay, yeah, I know you're trying to reflect the times of what's going on, but we definitely don't need that in Star Wars. Like, it would mm -hmm. only just date it and just make it feel cheap. You know, if you say, they say something like that, that's a direct quote from something in our real life political landscape. So, yeah. yeah. And especially when this is supposed to be a long time ago in a galaxy far, mm -hmm. far away. It's one thing when you have something like that on a movie or a show that at least like takes place on Earth. And then it's like, oh, haha, ha, Donald Trump joke, because Donald Trump is actually out there somewhere. But this is Star Wars. It's completely different and removed. And, you know, you shouldn't even be making those real world connections there. So, yeah. So, yeah, it wasn't a worry I ever actually had for any Star Wars movies having. But again, it's good to hear that, <laughs> you know, it's not even a thing that pops into the mind of, you know, the creators behind it. And also relieved that it wasn't, you know, the political aspects within the Star Wars galaxy that <laughs> won't be explored. I mean, maybe it won't, but they didn't definitively say that it that's something they're going to ignore, which I was worried when I saw that headline. Yeah, I kind of was too at first. I was like, explicit political what? Yeah. Um, but yeah, and again, like, we don't need a lot of explicit political stuff. Just give us a little more foundation than what The Force Awakens had. Yep. Um. But yeah, and again, like you said, it's not something that I was worried was going to be in the movie. But, uh, you know, once I saw this, I was like, oh, yeah, I don't know why you would you know, put a lot of that in there, but I'm glad they're not. Um, and then the last thing on here, and this is also not something I was really expecting. But now that yeah. I saw this, I was like, oh, that's an interesting thought. Uh, but we will not see a revelation about Finn's potential for sensitivity. Um, and it says, in The Last Jedi, Boyega says Finn's reasonable facility with the lightsaber is not further explicated. But you never know, he says. I talk to Mark Hamill sometimes, and he tells me stories about how he wasn't told about the Darth Vader is his father situation until he got on set. I feel like there must be something going on, something that makes me go, huh, why does he wield one, and what's that all about? It'll be interesting to see if that's ever explored. Um, it will be interesting indeed. That's something that I never really thought of I mean it's something I've thought about a little bit but not something I've dwelled on too much because in my mind I think the Force Awakens sort of explained what it needed to in the sense that um Finn was kind of part of an elite group of stormtroopers we've seen these new first order stormtroopers that they train with melee weapons um 
and that Finn was kind of, um, and this is partially coming from the books and stuff too, like especially the uh, the Before the Awakening yeah. um, novel, that Finn was particularly, like he was on track to be like a, an elite stormtrooper. Like Phasma had her eye on him and he was doing everything right and was basically on track to become, you know, either an officer or like a special forces commando or something like that. Like he was going to be the best of the best. Um, and, you know, again, the fact that these troopers train, you know, with blasters, but also in hand to hand and melee combat and everything, it's not too much of a stretch to think that Finn could pick up a lightsaber and not be doing flips and tricks and stuff and be able to beat a Sith in, in single handed combat, but to at least be able to wield it without cutting his own arm off, you know, and, and I think he did that you know, pretty proficiently. Um, and then, of course, when he's dueling Kylo Ren at the end, you think like, oh, well, you know, a guy who's actually trained in the Force should have been able to beat him in like five seconds. But then again, you, Kylo Ren got shot in the hip by a bowcaster bolt from Chewie that we had seen shatter Stormtrooper armor and send other people <laughs> flying. So, like, give the guy a break. And again, I, I think that was intentionally from a story standpoint. It's just to bring him down to... Uh, you know, kind of to their level, because whether it's Finn, the trained stormtrooper with no force sensitivity, or Ray, the girl who's, you know, extremely gifted in the force, but didn't know what it was until two weeks ago, and, you know, has just been fighting off scavengers on Jakku with a staff, but has never held a lightsaber before, like, Kylo Ren should have been able to easily defeat both of them, let's be honest. But, you know, again, they're like, okay, let's have Chewie blow a hole in his side and then uh, that'll knock him down a couple pegs. Um, and so, you know, I, and I've had this discussion with some people too where they're like, oh, well, Finn's got to be a Jedi, right? Because he used a lightsaber and I kind of give him that same explanation. Well, I don't necessarily think so. At the same time, I would not be opposed to it you know, if, if we come back in The Last Jedi and find out that, like, oh, hey, Finn is Force-sensitive, too, and, you know, Luke trains him as a Jedi, like, cool, I've got no problem with that, but I don't think it's necessary. Like, for me, it's not a lingering story thread, like, okay, cool, Luke and Rey, but how did Finn use the lightsaber? Like, to me, it's been explained. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, all you have to do is, you mentioned it, look at the Before the Awakening book, and that pretty much answers <laughs> any questions you could have was, why he was able to use the lightsaber the way he did on the Force Awakens, and uh, I think he played his part with that lightsaber in the Force Awakens. That's all he's going to see of it. So, mm -hmm. and, yeah, like I said, it wasn't something I was expecting to be answered or explored more. I just thought, you know, his time with it was you know, fitting for what it was and what we got in Episode Seven, and nothing more. So, he'll have other weapons to use. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think obviously part of it was just kind of a bait and switch too, so they could have yeah. Finn be the one with the lightsaber in the trailers and stuff, and and also maybe even just to kind of keep things exciting for people who want to see more lightsaber action in Star Wars. It's like instead of having Rey wait till the very end, it's like, well, you got Finn using the lightsaber in you know, the middle of the movie at least, and, you know, fighting off the, uh, or fighting the other stormtrooper with the baton and stuff. Um, I say fighting off, like he kind of got his butt kicked until Chewie knocked the guy 20 feet away. Um, actually, I guess Han knocked him because oh, he, yeah, he had the bowcaster and gave it back. But, um, yeah, like, so, I mean, it was kind of just a way to get more lightsaber action in, 
during the movie, um, but also kind of keep it a secret until the end that it was actually going to be Ray who was the one that was going to sort of become the central character of this trilogy and, and kind of go off on the path of the Jedi or whatever else Luke is trying to get her to become now if it really is time for the Jedi to end. Um, but yeah, I think as far as Jedi and lightsabers and force potential and stuff, I think Finn has played his part there. And I think now we're going to kind of see him go off on a different path just as, you know, a member of the resistance and, uh, kind of try to fit into a new role there. Yep. So as cool as it must've been for Boyega to use that lightsaber, I don't think he's going to be using it again in episode eight or nine. Yeah. See, I think, and you know, not to knock on him at all. And I freaking love John Boyega and, you know, I hope he gets to do all kinds of cool stuff in these movies still, but for him going, well, hey, Finn got to use a lightsaber too. Does that mean he's going to get to be a Jedi? That's like Samuel L. Jackson being like, hey, Jedi can survive long falls. I'm not dead yet. Make a Mace Windu movie. <laughs> <laughs> Almost. Yeah, it's it's along the same lines. Not quite as much of a stretch, but um, yeah, I think Mace Windu is pretty clearly dead. At least yeah, to I, mean, me. I think it could be something cool if they do do it where episode nine you know you know kind of come full circle where he does use not i don't know if it's necessarily raised lightsaber but a lightsaber again some way in a battle maybe just to kind of you know harken back to what we saw him do in the force awakens i think that would be kind of cool but you know not go into is he a jedi or not he just using the weapon again yeah exactly well yeah and i mean again like we're already kind of exploring with luke it might be time for the jedi to end anyway so you know, just because you can wield a lightsaber or, uh, you know, even if he can use the force, that doesn't automatically make him a Jedi, but he doesn't have to be one. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and speaking of Jedi and lightsabers and whatnot, um, kind of the last part of this or not quite the last part, but the last part that's directly talking about episode eight, um, Pablo Hidalgo is talking about uh, the lightsabers that Ray and uh, Luke use. Um, and this is kind of interesting. He says, in general, a lightsaber belongs to the person who constructed it. In The Force Awakens, Maz says that the saber is calling to Rey now. Whether or not it's literally calling to her to become hers, or it's calling to her because she knows it will be taken back to Luke, we'll see. Um, either way, the blade is no longer considered Anakin's lightsaber by the Lucasfilm marketing department. It has now officially been dubbed Rey's. As for that green lightsaber Luke made for himself, it has yet to resurface in any of the marketing materials surrounding the current trilogy. Has Luke abandoned it along with potentially his faith in the Jedi way? Will we see Luke wield it again in The Last Jedi? Hidalgo says vaguely yet reassuringly, we take to heart the lesson that Obi-Wan tried to impart to Anakin. This weapon is your life. We're not ones to lose track of lightsabers. Um, and that last part that he says there, I mean, to me, it sounds like he's more just talking from a marketing standpoint and kind of answering that question. The fact that we haven't seen Luke's lightsaber yet in any of the marketing materials, he's like, oh, don't worry, it didn't just disappear. Like, we know what happened to it. We've got a plan for it. So I'm not taking that to necessarily mean just from his words that like, yes, we're going to see Luke use it in the movie. But come on, how could you not? Yeah, I kind of took it to where, yeah. Like the article says, it's vague, but yet reassuring <laughs> that he does say, you know, we take to heart the Obi-Wan's line, this weapon is your life, and we're not ones who lose track of lightsabers. I mean, I think that's, in a way, 
not 100% confirming, but likely we're going to see him. Or I want to say we're going to see him use that lightsaber, but if not, we're going to see that lightsaber again somehow, even if it's, you know, in a box <laughs> or something mm-hmm. that he has in one of those huts on Octo that, you know, he brings out for a little bit. But I think we're going to see him ignited. I think that's going to be either a money shot for one of the next two trailers we're going to get or something so cool they want to say for the actual movie to see Luke ignite his lightsaber again. I think it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll be surprised if it doesn't. I'll say that. Yeah. And you know what? Here's the thing, too. Like, I think before we got the first teaser trailer, I really wanted to see Luke ignite the lightsaber or at least say something. But I guess I I don't think for whatever reason I wasn't expecting to hear Luke talk as much in the last trailer as he did. Um, and obviously, you know, I, I want to see more stuff in the next two trailers. I want to, you know, kind of get more a little bit more revealed and, uh, you know, maybe maybe see some more of Luke. But at this point. As far as him actually igniting the lightsaber, I kind of want and want them to save that for the movie itself. If only because I'm imagining the reaction in the theater yeah. when that happens. <laughs> and I'm sure it'll still get a big reaction. Um, you know, even if we know it's coming, you know, like we knew that the Millennium Falcon was going to be in The Force Awakens, but still the moment when Ray and Finn are, you know, running from the TIE fighters and, uh, the you know junker thing that they're running towards gets blown up and she's like you know okay well the garbage will do and you know the camera turns over towards the millennium falcon and everybody in the theater erupted in cheers like that's going to happen regardless of whether we know it's going to happen or not with uh you know luke using the lightsaber but man that's just one of those things that i'm like if they can save that for the movie itself like that'll be worth waiting for because we know it's coming it could be a little similar to you know the big stand up and cheer moment in the force awakens when the lightsaber went to ray yeah I mean, they saved that for the movie too they didn't put in any trailers or commercials and they can kind of do something a little similar to luke igniting that green lightsaber again which yeah i think would be another standout or stand up and cheer moment for almost everyone in the theater seeing that yeah. play out for the first time that's yeah, gonna be so cool but i did find it interesting too um what he said about uh anakin's lightsaber where well now they're calling rays which by the way just to talk about that real quick while they're now calling it Ray's lightsaber. I know on Twitter, there's a little bit of an uproar from some certain fans, you know, saying, you know, it's disgracing Lucas's vision, you know, was Anakin as Luke. And I was like, no, nah, to me, it's not really that big of a deal. I mean, they're calling it Ray's lightsaber because at this point in time, we are with the movies. It's, it is her lightsaber. I mean, she's the main, she's the face of the franchise as far as the main protagonist goes. So, She's using that lightsaber. Why not just call it Ray's lightsaber? And they're just, and he's saying just amongst them in Lucasfilm, which I totally get. So I don't necessarily think that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. But um, regarding what he says about the lightsaber calling to hers because, you know, it, she knows she'll take it or t- calling to her because it wants to go to her or it's only calling to her because the lightsaber knows that's its ticket back to Luke in a way. And that's something I know we kind of speculated about in the past, but just to hear you know, that it is a possibility that's out there amongst, uh, you know, well, Pablo definitely knows the answer, but the fact that he's using that as kind of a possibility of the story can go that way would be very interesting, which, you know, to me, I'm kind of torn on it because in a way, I think that could be pretty cool if it wants to get back to Luke, but uh, Luke rejects it, uh, taking it back for whatever reasons, and, you know, it has to end up staying with Ray and it becomes hers. As cool as the story aspect that could be, 
again, that would probably make it where she's not Luke's daughter <laughs> or tied to the Skywalker lineage because I, for right now, I'm taking it where that lightsaber is calling to her because she's connected to the Skywalkers, whether she's directly Luke's daughter or Han and Leia's daughter. That's why it's calling out to her. And, you know, I'd rather have that legacy reasoning behind it more so than the lightsaber has to be hers because Luke doesn't want it anymore. As interesting as that would be, I'd rather it have it be the other way where it's because, you know, she's tied to the Skywalkers. So I just found it interesting that he brought both possibilities up when I haven't necessarily heard that from anyone at Lucasfilm say that that could possibly be the case regarding the lightsaber. Yeah, and I think maybe we'll see a little bit of both in the sense that, like, maybe Rey thinks that it's calling to her so she can give it back to Luke. I mean, obviously, she's already used it. You know, she fought Kylo Ren with it. But now, you know, she goes to find Luke on Octo. And the first thing she does, she's not like hey i got this lightsaber can you teach me how to use it she's like no take this back it's yours yeah um so maybe she thinks that the whole purpose of it calling out to her is that it's trying to get back to luke and she's going to be the one to take it there and then maybe luke is the one to be like no you got it all wrong like it was calling out to you because this is yours now um and obviously he's got his own lightsaber um you know i i think i mean it almost seems to me like the answer is kind of obvious here, right? Like, even if the lightsaber was calling out to Ray just for her to take it back to Luke, well, we know she's going to end up keeping it anyways. You know, like he said, the marketing department is now considering that just Ray's lightsaber, which, yeah, to answer that other point, like, that doesn't mean it never belonged to Anakin. And if you as a fan, you know, if the first thing you think of when you see that lightsaber is that it was Luke's lightsaber or Anakin's lightsaber, that's perfectly fine. All that means is that for the current trilogy, when you see toys of this lightsaber on store shelves, it's going to be labeled as Rey's lightsaber because in the current movie, she's the one who's currently using it. Um, That doesn't mean that they're trying to retcon the fact that anybody else ever owned it. Um, And, you know, if you more strongly associate that with with luke or anakin then that's fine i mean i kind of do myself i don't even know if i consider that more anakin's lightsaber or luke's lightsaber because it kind of just depends on my mood or what movie i'm watching at the current moment (laughs) um you know i I think i'll probably have to see ray use it in a couple more movies in the sequel trilogy before i really consider it ray's lightsaber just in my own head but it's not because i'm like oh no that can't be ray's it's just because i'm not that used to her having it yet um, but yeah, obviously like she's not going to give it back to Luke and just have him use it again. Cause I mean, if he needs a lightsaber, he's got one. We just talked about that. Uh, you know, like Pablo said, they don't lose track of lightsabers. They know he's got another one. Um, and you know, we may or may not see him use it again, but I, I would assume that if we see Luke use a lightsaber, it's going to be the green one. It had better be the green one. Cause honestly, that's my favorite one to you know to see him use i mean that one from return of the jedi that was when he really kind of hit his peak as like okay i lost the lightsaber that my you know that obi-wan gave me that used to belong to my father but now like i've built my own and i'm a jedi now like this is mine i'm not just you know taking a hand-me-down you know i'm gonna build my own lightsaber get out there fight vader and like be a jedi knight um i also think it could be cool though on um, circumstances what happened in a fight if he gets to use both where maybe oh, he loses his my green gosh. lightsaber and something happened to Ray where she lost 
the, the I'll call it the legacy lightsaber for right now. <laughs> if he loses that, and then he has to take that up again. I mean, that could be even more give me more goosebumps of seeing him using that blue lightsaber again for a fight. Oh, you're saying like have him lose his green one and then like just use the blue one? Yeah, because for a brief second, I was picturing him dual wielding the blue and green one, kind of like Anakin (laughs) did when he was fighting Count Dooku. And then I'm like, eh, Mark Hamill might be a little old for that. Yeah, I wasn't going that rough. If anything, he can maybe do it with the force. Like, his hands aren't even touching the lightsaber. He's just like having them, like using them as weapons just through the force in his mind. Holy crap. Wait, have you played Knights of the Old Republic 2? I've never finished it, actually. I played, like, the beginning portions of it. Oh, so you probably didn't get to the end where that actually happens. No. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, like, uh, Kreia or Darth Treya or whatever her name is. I mean, yeah. she's, like, the final boss battle in that game. And basically, yeah, she's, like, this decrepit old woman that runs around with, like, four lightsaber blades just hovering in the air around her. Yeah, like picture something like almost. I'm thinking too, kind of the way Grievous like twirled his the two front lightsabers. Maybe not yeah. quite at that speed, but something to that effect, where they're just like spinning around and he's just using them to take down enemies. Yeah, I mean, which could easily get into like really cheesy, and I doubt they're probably going to do that. But at the same time, depending on how far they want to go with Luke, you know, making Luke just into this super powerful like old Force wizard. I mean, that could also be really freaking cool. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, man, I don't know. I just need this movie to come out already so I can yeah. just, like, <laughs> see as much of Luke as possible. Yeah. Regardless if he uses one or two or no lightsabers. Either way, he's going to do something awesome. That's I think that's a given. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then in the last part of this article here... Uh, This is Kathleen Kennedy talking about the future of Star Wars. Um, And, you know, she's talking about um, the characters in the movie, how they've resonated so well with fans um, and, you know, how they obviously didn't really know what the reaction was going to be. But, you know, just that they're glad um, that, you know, people have responded to them the way that they have. And now that there could possibly be more opportunities beyond uh, the you know, current trilogy, um, just, you know, in this interview with Vanity Fair here, she says, we were incredibly fortunate that every single one of those characters has resonated to, to the extent that they have. And I gather what you're saying is that there are more opportunities with those characters. And yes, that's a possibility too. That's what we're looking at. Where do we go with the saga? Does the saga extend beyond the nine movies that George envisioned? Um, and they ask and say, well, does it? And she says, we are having discussions about that right now. Um, and then they said, for that matter, must the saga necessarily unfold in trilogies? And uh, she says, you know, again, those are things that they're asking that hasn't been answered yet. But that if they were essentially if they are going to continue beyond nine movies and if they're going to keep doing more trilogies or if they're just going to keep doing saga films, you know, and and not do them in trilogies as they've been done before, um, that there has to be a reason for it. And there has to be a really good story for them to tell. And so... I'm sure right now they're probably trying to decide, you know, if they can come up with the stories or I mean, maybe they're just writing stories right now and seeing like, is this good enough to keep going with? Um, I don't know. I can tell you for me, like I, I would be okay with them going beyond episode nine, but I 
A, I really like the idea of Star Wars trilogies because I think it's just a good storytelling format for, you know, I mean, on the one hand, I think you should be able to tell like a concise, good story just within one movie itself. But also I like having, you know, if you're going to go with multiple movies and keep stretching it out, I still like for it to have a beginning, a middle and an end. Um, and so I think trilogies are just like a, a really good way to kind of do I don't know, extended stories in that way that, you know, you can stretch a story out across multiple movies, but not have it drag on forever. And also I feel like with Star Wars in particular, like each trilogy has just kind of been a generational thing. Um, and, you know, I've said before that, like, I just really like the idea of each generation having its own Star Wars trilogy. And so if they're going to continue the saga films after this, my personal hope would be that you know, rather than just trying to milk it for all it's worth and just keep making a movie every two years. Like, sure, keep making animated series, keep making spin-off movies, make live action series for all I care. I mean, it's Star Wars, I'll eat it all up. But as far as the main trilogies, I mean, preferably I would hope they would wait, you know, like ten or fifteen years before doing another one after episode nine, just to give the story room to breathe a little bit, give us room to digest these three movies and mm-hmm. watch them millions of times on Blu-ray and dissect all the little, you know, nuances and background references and read books and comics and play video games and stuff that fill in the gaps in between the movies and expand on the characters and stuff. Um you know, there's already, you know, plenty of, of rich ground for all that kind of stuff without having to jump into another movie right away. So it's like, give us time to just enjoy this trilogy, this chapter of the story, these, you know, new characters, and, you know, just kind of let that sit for a bit. And then 10 years from now, when we've got, you know, I'm like, I'll probably have my own kids by then, and I can take them to see, you know, Star Wars Episode Ten, of course, I don't know, by that point, I'm like, if, you know, if you got like a five-year-old, they'll be like, wait, how many of these do I have to watch to catch up on this whole <laughs> thing that's going on? Um, but who knows, maybe that's why they've kind of done away with the numbering in, uh, you know, the marketing where like, it's just the Force Awakens and the Last Jedi and, you know, on the posters and stuff, it doesn't say Star Wars Episode Seven, so that people who maybe haven't seen all the previous movies don't feel kind of ostracized by this point and be like, oh, well, I'm not going to enjoy that because I'm way behind. I haven't seen the first one, two, three, four, five, and six. I can't enjoy seven. It's like, no, it's just Star Wars The Force Awakens and you just come for a good Star Wars story. And if you're a big Star Wars fan and you've seen all previous six, you're going to get even more out of it. Um, so that would be, you know, my hope for, for the future of it is that, um, I mean, I, I agree with what she's saying. I don't want them to keep making movies just for the sake of it. Like I, I do think there should be a reason to have it continue. I think there should be sort of a plan for like what the, the story is going to be. And it has to be a story worth telling, but if they can find something like that, and I'm sure they can, cause they've got some super talented people working on this and it's a rich, universe full of awesome characters and endless story possibilities you know i'm sure they can come up with more awesome star wars stories to tell but just as far as these main saga films i hope they stick with trilogies and i hope they give them some space in between those trilogies and don't just keep hammering them out every two years from now until doomsday no yeah i totally agree with that aspect of it as far as waiting a good amount of time before starting episode 10 or new saga films. But I did find it really interesting that they're even, you know, she even says they're even asking the question of 
do saga films have to be trilogies because i didn't think they could be any other way honestly i mean yeah we've just been so ingrained as far as having these saga films be trilogies and part of me thinks that yeah that is for the best it's what makes them special but at the same time too it's like would that work i mean can't really say it won't unless we see you know episode 10 be its own thing kind of like like after episode nine what if episode 10 is kind of like an epilogue type movie in a way a very long epilogue <laughs> that kind of shows you you know what happens after the events of episode nine and kind of maybe just showing what the state of the galaxy is going to be until we get the next chapter in the saga which it would be you know maybe 10 or 15 years down the line like you're saying so i know there's some interesting things that can be done that way which i never thought of to be honest with you because you know like you we just keep thinking saga films are trilogies so and they're asking that question so I have confidence in Kathleen Kennedy and the story group that whatever they decide is going to be, you know, probably what's best for the saga moving forward. So I just think it's really interesting that they're even asking that question that can a saga film just be, you know, a movie or two and not be a trilogy. So I didn't think they would be considering that, honestly. So it was, you know, kind of interesting to hear that in this article from Vanity Fair. Well, yeah, see, it's interesting. And I mean, for me, like from a filmmaking standpoint, no, they don't have to be trilogies. Um, and I know I just said, like, I really want them to be, and I think that's more from uh, just sort of a personal preference standpoint as a fan and just thinking about sort of the impact that it has on the fan base and on pop culture in general. Um, and like I said, it just sort of being this, this generational thing and the fact that you can tell these stories in sort of three act trilogies, but sure, you could also just keep going and you know, every couple of years or every few years have some new threat for, you know, Ray and Luke and Finn and Poe to face. I mean, it's Star Wars. We know there's no shortage of stories. Um, you know, with the old expanded universe, like, you know, sure, the movie stopped with episode six, but if George Lucas had wanted to, he could have kept making movies and telling all the stories of, like, you know, heir to the empire and the Jedi Academy trilogy. And then of course getting into, you know, all the legacy stuff and the Yuuzhan Vong and all that, like just the possibilities are endless. And if you wanted to make a, a movie every two years and just keep the story going indefinitely, you very well could. Um, and that's why I'm saying like, it's, it's a possibility. And I just, I mean, for me personally, like I'd rather not, and I don't, I hesitate to say like you can have too much Star Wars. And like right now, it seems like kind of like you can't, especially if you keep making all the stories good and everything. But at some point, it's like, I mean, I, I feel like it makes it keeps it special and keeps it from wearing out if you, you know, kind of just stick to the trilogies and then, like I said, just kind of give it some breathing room in, in between. Um, because if you keep making them every couple of years, then it's either just going to be something that people just take for granted as just, you know, generic popcorn entertainment. I feel like, kind of like people I feel like are starting to, like the way that people are starting to kind of view superhero films. Um, and, you know, I'm not saying that Marvel isn't, you know, well, yeah, Marvel isn't still putting out good movies. I don't know if we can say the same for DC, although I'm hearing good stuff about Wonder Woman. But, um, you know, like just the fact that like they they keep coming out with so much of these you hear some people start saying like oh you know just another superhero film just another origin story blah 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 like it's going to be like oh just another star wars movie just like the last 10 that have come out for the last 10 years in a row 
Like, I kind of, you know, it's like, let's just get in and out with these trilogies. Um, and again, if you want to keep making money in the meantime with the spinoff films and all that kind of stuff, like, sure, go for it. But I think the the installments in the the main saga itself, I think they should stick to, to those trilogies and to sort of the similar time spacing the way that it's been so far. No, yeah, overall, I would agree with that. And that's what I would hope would happen. And we've said it before on this podcast where it, I think at the least amount of time should be 10 years before you start a new trilogy. Mm-hmm. That's a good enough gap to see where these characters are again from when we last left them. But I don't know. They'll just be, I'll definitely be curious to see if they go a different, different route and how it'll all play out. But I kind of have a feeling they might go, maybe it won't be 10 years, maybe it'll be a little less, but I think they will give it some type of breathing room from episode nine to episode 10 if they decide to go that way. Yeah, let's hope so. Um, and if not, let's hope they have a really good reason for doing, you know, whatever they decide to do. But um, yeah. I'm not worried too much about that at this point because it's like, hey, we're still waiting for episode eight. We've got two more years before episode nine after that, and then we'll see where they go from there. And there's tons of standalone movies they can do. That's an endless supply mm-hmm. <laughs> of stories, though. Yeah. And speaking of which... Um, also in this article, you know, talking more about the future of Star Wars and stuff, they're talking about the young Han Solo film, uh, coming out next year and episode nine in 2019. Um, and they said, is there another story film in production or pre-production beyond the Han Solo one? And Kathleen Kennedy said, yes, we haven't identified it yet, but yes, we have a couple of things right now that we're circling and we'll make a decision between the two pretty shortly. It's probably for 2020 and we will make a decision by June. Um... Well, June is tomorrow, yeah. and not saying that we'll find out right away when they make their decision, but I would bet possibly by San Diego, you know, maybe at the San Diego Comic-Con panel, like maybe they'll announce something there, but I also could see it being like one of those announcements that's just dropped on a random Tuesday, you know, saying like, mm-hmm. hey, here's the new Star Wars story film coming from Lucasfilm, you know, in, in 2020 or whatever. Yeah, see, right um, now I just picture them, like Kathleen Kennedy, the star group at Lucasfilm, in a room with a board with, you know, two pictures on there, Obi-Wan and Boba Fett. And they're just going, which one do we do first, mm-hmm. Obi-Wan or Boba Fett? Which one is the right one? <laughs> yeah. I, you just know it's going to be one of those two. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't see how it couldn't be. For one thing, well, I, I think it's kind of the the um the pairing of like you know sort of the logical choice and then the choice that everybody wants and i say the logical choice because um we know i don't i mean i don't think it was ever officially announced but i mean we've heard reputable sources saying that the movie that josh trank was working on before he left the project was supposed to be a boba fett movie um and i don't think kathleen kennedy ever confirmed that but she did say that you know that that project was still on the table, just that they were going to have to kind of take it back to the drawing board and rework it and obviously get a whole new creative team on board. Um, So, you know, it's not like they haven't considered that and haven't started working on it already. So it's like, well, it would make a lot of sense for them to go back to that idea. And then Obi-Wan is just the idea that won't die. Like, that's the one that everybody talks about wanting <laughs> Nor to see. It. Yeah, and, well, here's the thing. I'm still kind of iffy on, like, I mean, I I don't know. Like, 
on the one hand, I don't, it, it's almost hard to picture like a really interesting story for me personally, like a, an interesting story to tell of like Obi-Wan just sitting there on Tatooine watching Luke, especially now that Darth Maul is gone. Um, although that was never really something I thought they would bring back into the movies anyway, because like if somebody saw episode one and then saw this spinoff film and hadn't watched any Clone Wars or Rebels, they would be really confused. Um, but I don't know, like, you know, an Obi-Wan film, it's not like a story that I feel like really needs to be told, but at the same time, like the fact that Ewan McGregor is on on board for it, not that he's been signed on, but in the sense that he keeps saying in interviews, like, yeah, I'd go back and do that again. Um, and his performance as Obi-Wan for me is still probably the best thing about the prequels. Um, and just the, the chance to see more Obi-Wan, I'm like, how is that a bad thing? It's not for me. So, you know, I'm not one of those people that's leading the charge. Like, yeah, we want an Obi-Wan movie, but I'm like, Hey, if everybody else wants it and you guys want to do it, that's totally cool with me. So, um, you know, I honestly, I would be fine with either one of those. Although I've said before that I really just want to see Boba Fett as like a villain in the Han Solo movie, but I don't know if that's going to necessarily happen at this point. Um, only because like I said, I think it seems pretty safe to say that they're still considering a Boba Fett movie and, um, well, I don't know. We still really don't know much about the Han Solo movie, so he could be in there too. Who knows? That's true. Yeah, but I just like you mentioned how Boba Fett was, you know, supposed to be the second movie we we're going to get after Rogue One, but because of what happened with Josh Trank, it got pushed back. So, and he's just too big of a character for them not to do anything with. And I, yeah, think he, they would like for him to, you know, be the star of his own movie. You know, that would be, you know, for me as a big Boba Fett fan, would love to see it. I'm sure plenty of others too. But then you got Obi Wan, and that's becoming more the one people really want to see. And Count me among those two. Yeah, a lot of it's probably going to be some, I won't even say a lot, but you're going to get some forest meditation stuff in there for him watching Luke. But I could just picture it being, you know, kind of like a Western type story. He goes into a, a city or a town in Tatooine and even kind of similar to the Kenobi book that came out in 2013 that had that feel to it. Not be an exact adaption of that, but takes similar story beats from that where Obi Wan is like the man with no name type thing amongst the people on Tatooine. They don't know who he is, but. You know, he tries to keep his force powers hidden, but yet he has to get involved in a conflict, maybe, you know, with the gangs, the gangsters on Tatooine, maybe with Jabba and some of the other gangs on there, I think would be pretty cool. So there's definitely aspects to even some of the stories we got in the Star Wars comic that have flashbacks to Obi-Wan's time on Tatooine or some pretty cool stories in that regard. So I think there's definitely plenty of interesting stuff you could do with Obi-Wan on Tatooine that's not necessarily just involve him. Uh, meditating on the Force and watching over Luke. Well, I do hope that is a big part of it. You can definitely tell another story with just life on Tatooine with Obi-Wan during that time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this I, I'm not going to complain either way which one comes first, but I'm just, it's good to hear to know that they're making a decision by uh, next month or <laughs> this month by the time listening to this episode and that, you know, we probably won't hear it in June, but if we do, great. But as long as they know and We'll have an announcement coming shortly. That's going to be awesome to hear what it finally is. And hopefully it's... I'm kind of pulling for Obi-Wan first, if anything, just so, you know, Ewan McGregor can finally get stopped asking those questions. And just knowing that he'll be on board officially would just be a great thing to know. To 
know that he's coming back to play Obi-Wan again is going to be so cool. So I'm kind of pulling for Obi-Wan right now to pull out as the next 2020 movie. Yeah, and it'll also be nice to just finally be able to stop seeing random news posts all over the internet. Like every couple months, it seems like some <laughs> website is like, hey, we interviewed Ewan McGregor and he said he'd like to come back and do an Obi-Wan movie. Uh, or even I'll see on, you know, just like fan sites and stuff, you know, articles, why, you know, here are the, the Star Wars spinoff movies we want to see or here's why Lucasfilm should do an Obi-Wan movie. And I'm like, guys, we get it. You want an Obi-Wan movie. Just let them do their thing. Um, but actually, it was pretty cool. Even like when I was doing that panel at Comic-Con this past weekend, um, while we were doing our Star Wars panel, I think at some point we asked, you know, just kind of pulled the audience and said, um, you know, raise your hand if you want to see a Boba Fett stand standalone movie and raise your hand if you want to see an Obi-Wan standalone movie. And I was surprised the response actually was like overwhelmingly more positive for Obi-Wan. Um, it seemed like, I don't know, maybe... 25 30 percent of the people in the room like raised their hand saying they wanted a boba fett movie and it seemed like almost everybody's hands were up for obi-wan um and i kind of joking was like hey we should take a picture of this and tweet it to lucasfilm and be like hey look guys everybody wants this um but again like i said i'm sure they, they gotta know that too yeah i was gonna say i'm sure they know by this point um you know that that's what people want and so um you know it's just a matter of them weighing the pros and cons of you know what they think people want to see more and what they can do a better job with and what's going to be the better story to tell um i also asked who wants to see a knights of the old republic netflix series and a bunch of people raise their hands for that too so uh <laughs> hopefully you know we'll get around to that at some point but um yeah as far as just this next movie i think yeah i, I would bet good money that those are going to be our two choices there yeah, but, but like i said i'll be fine with either one but a little more with Obi-Wan. <laughs> yeah, I'll be fine with either one, and hopefully eventually we get both. You know, just because they pick one over yep. the other for 2020 doesn't mean the next one can't come in 2021 or 2022 or... Yeah, like, I just, I'm just hoping that decision is not what movie to make, but which one gets made for. Exactly. And, I mean, again, I'm sure that'll probably be the case. It's not yeah. like they. It's not like they can only make one more standalone film. Yeah, exactly. Especially if they're going to hold off on some of the saga, the films for a few years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Like they'll have plenty of space in between there to you know have all kinds of spinoffs. So, um, man, but really exciting stuff to think about. Um, again, knowing that probably within the next couple months here we'll find out what this is going to be, and I don't know how long it'll be before we find out you know, who gets cast or who's going to be directing it or whatever. Although, I mean, obviously, I think it's safe to assume that if they do do an Obi-Wan movie, we know who's going to be cast as Obi-Wan. Um, yeah. <laughs> we better. Yeah, that um, would be the only way to be disappointed if Hugh McGregor is not <laughs> coming back as Obi-Wan, which I think would be zero chance of happening if they're going to do an Obi-Wan movie. Yeah, exactly. well, I think the only chance would be, like, if they didn't ask him to, which would just be ridiculous on their part. Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, just, uh, and like I said, and, and I think you're totally right too. It's, I'm not saying they, that there aren't stories they can do with Obi-Wan on Tatooine. Um, and I haven't read that Kenobi book, so maybe I should read that just to kind of get some perspective or like ideas of what that might look like. But it's just, for me, it's kind of hard to sort of 
picture in my mind like what a really interesting story would be but i'm not saying they can't come up with it because you know that's why they're making the big bucks and i'm not um and i'm like heck anything with obi-wan in it i'll go see just you know you guys make sure it's good i'll just pay you my money yeah pretty much yeah (laughs) they got it either way (laughs) yeah um and then lastly you know of course they're talking about episode nine um and uh you know, he said, uh, as for episode nine, how mapped out is it? And Kathleen says, well, as you can imagine, we were really uh, stunned by the death of Carrie. So we had mapped out something a year ago that uh, Colin Trevorrow was working on. In fact, he had delivered a script to us in early December. So her death was a real shock and changed things quite dramatically. Um, and so General Leia was going to be a significant part of episode nine. Um, but now, obviously, that's having to be rethought. And when she says you know it says now that's going to have to be rethought like that almost makes me think like maybe they haven't even quite decided what they're going to do about that yet um as far as you know do they try to continue on her character at all and if so then how um i know they've already said like they're not going to just do a digital recreation of her like they did with tarkin in row one which i think is definitely the right choice to make um but you know we'll we'll just have to kind of wait and see where they go with that it's kind of hard to try to speculate at all at this point like with us not having seen episode eight and not knowing what leia's role is in that and you know possibly where they could go from there um but definitely like i i don't envy them having to be the ones to make that decision um but you know i just you know hope they can uh do what's uh you know best for for her and her memory and for the fans and for the story and just kind of try to do the best they can with it yeah i mean it sucks that this we even still have to talk about that you know the idea of carrie fisher not being part of episode nine i mean like you said it's kind of some i haven't really speculated on it too much just you know because the idea still hasn't i don't think it'll ever sit well and i mean until we see the movie as far as you know how it's going to be but it's the fact that she's not going to be in it and like you said we don't know where episode eight's going to leave off so it's just really hard to speculate and think about it and like you said they have the tough job right now trying to figure out uh, the best way to go about it from a story standpoint and like you just said it's kind of honor the memory and the legacy uh she left as far as playing princess leia because they're not ruling out as her not being in the movie at all i mean there could be like just being a scene or two kind of what we talked about on previous episodes or maybe they'll like save some scenes filmed for episode eight and use for episode nine so yeah it is kind of hard to tell right now but again it's just sad that it's a conversation that they had to have and a question that has to be asked and like interviews like that as they start you know getting ready to ramp up production on episode nine so because it is a question that is going to have to be answered unfortunately yeah you know unfortunately like you said it's just you know a tough situation that's unfortunate for you know, everybody involved, but, um, I don't know. I, I hope they can make the best out of it. Um, you know, and, and it's, uh, I don't know, like I said, I'm, I'm glad I don't have to make those decisions, but it sucks that somebody has to. Um, and I just, you know, wish them all the best with that process. Mm. And I have confidence that they will make the best choice too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think there's kind of, I mean, you kind of have to give them a little bit of leeway, too. Like, at this point, 
you know, I almost feel bad for them because I'm sure they had something really awesome in mind for episode nine. And I'm not saying yeah. the movie's going to be terrible now, but it's like if it seems like there's weird story issues with episode nine or, you know, if something feels kind of off or, you know, if it's like, oh, well, Leia's character didn't have that much to do. Like, nobody's going to criticize him that heavily for it because obviously, like, the person who plays Leia wasn't able to be there to do the movie. So, like, I, I think... At least I would like to think that there's going to be some sort of, you know, that that sort of, you know, respect for Carrie Fisher and for the people involved in having to sort of make this decision and, and decide where to go from here is going to sort of take precedence over just criticizing the movie. I'm also not saying that, like, the movie's going to be terrible and we're all just going to be okay with it. Like, I still think it's going to be a good movie, but... Um, I, I just think that at least, you know, all of us fans and all of us, you know, who... Um, you know, who loved Carrie Fisher and, and are wanting to honor her memory and stuff, like are realizing just what an unenviable position these guys are in right now. Yep. It'll be interesting to see if we ever do find out too kind of what the original plan was. I mean, we never did get that making of the Force Awakens book and kind of wondering if they're maybe they're going to wait for something like that. For like once the trilogy is done, we'll just get one book covering all like the making of the sequel trilogy and the they'll even want to explore that route of what was planned for uh, princess leia and her role in episode nine or they'll just kind of just leave it how whatever decision they make and how to progress their story for nine and not ever reveal what they had out of you know respect to what they did do and how to honor carrie fisher's memory that way so mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to see if we ever find out yeah that would be interesting i mean to me my my knee-jerk reaction as much as i would love to know like what the original story was supposed to be I mean, I feel like it would maybe almost be more respectful to her to to just kind of leave it be, yeah. um, to have them like come up with the best thing that they can, you know, now having to to deal with the situation as it is, and not be like, oh, by the way, guys, like, you know, that's that's the story that we came up with and like we did the best we could but here's this really awesome story that we were supposed mm -hmm. to have, you know, if everybody could still be here for it, like, you know, I think it, you know, it might just be more sort of tactful i guess to just be like you know just try to let everybody enjoy the movie the way it is yeah i agree um but i don't know i mean again these are all things that we're going to kind of look back on a couple of years from now once we've seen these movies and you know probably have a different perspective on it then depending on how the stories go and you know what they actually do and what happens i mean it's kind of hard to speculate on this now like because we don't really even know what these guys have to deal with because we haven't seen it yet so um, but, uh, anyway, I mean, that's pretty much all the stuff from that Vanity Fair article, or at least all the big points. Um, I still have actually yet to read the entire thing top to bottom myself, but, um, you know, I, I can, uh, just, you know, rely on you for putting those little snippets on our website and stuff. Um, so of course, when I was, you know, gone for the past couple weeks, I was like, you know, it was hard to keep up with all this stuff. So at least I could, um, you know, have you putting those highlights up there for me. So appreciate you doing that. And I just can't wait to get the all four covers for this issue. <laughs> I'm just waiting for it to be officially released on newsstands. I know you can get a digital, but I want all four covers. <laughs> yeah, see, I don't know if I need all four covers, but... Yeah, there's something about... I've been doing it since the prequels, but all the four... Anytime a magazine has Star Wars on the cover and they have these special limited edition, like, special 
bury and cover that I got to get them all. It's just something that I've always done and like to continue with this uh, new era of Star Wars. So as yeah, long as I, I can't do it, I'm going to do it. And, and any time a DVD comes out with Star Wars on it, you got to get that, even though you've got 12 other copies. Uh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I mean, if anything, if I actually pick up a copy of this and, uh, you know, don't just read everything online. It's just going to be between the Luke and Ray cover and the Kylo Phasma Hux cover. Um, but yeah, lots of great photos on all of these. Um, and, you know, the pictures inside, great to look at and lots of cool information there as well. Um, and now we just hold our breath and wait for the next trailer. Yep, <laughs> which shouldn't be that far along or should, that far away now that we're entering June. Yeah, so anything hopefully. like Rogue One, we were talking about this before we recorded, we probably expect it in August. Yeah, which, I mean, I guess August kind of seems far away. I know you were initially saying July, but um, then we looked and saw that the uh, second trailer for Rogue One came out in August. Um, but yeah, probably sometime around there, because it could possibly be July, too, if they show it at San Diego Comic-Con. Um, and if not, then maybe we'll, you know, get it in August like we did for Rogue One. But either way, we're only like a couple months away now from another look at, uh, The Last Jedi. Yep. Which is weird because it. it feels like we just got our I first know. Look, which we kind of <laughs> did. I mean, it's, it's been less than two months since the first trailer came out and we've probably got, well, if it comes out in August, then we'll have more than two months until the next one comes out. If it comes out in July, maybe not so much, but we'll see. Yeah, I know, just crazy. We're talking, uh, we're talking about the trailer for our last two episodes, and here we are speculating when we're going to get the second one. <laughs> That's true, but then again, I mean, our last episode was over a month ago, um, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what happens when I disappear on vacation for two weeks. I'm um, sure we still would have brought it up. <laughs> oh well, yeah, obviously. Um, being like, okay, that was cool. Let's get another one. Yeah. <laughs> this trailer. I like it. Another. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so impatient. Yep. Well, anyway, um, I mean, like I said, it's, it, you know, always great to get any kind of new info and, and especially all these pictures and stuff from the new movie. Um, the next trailer, we'll get it when we get it. Um, and surely have, you know, tons more to discuss then. I think we should probably just go ahead and wrap it up for now because it's getting pretty late. Um, and uh, who knows, maybe we'll just go ahead and keep this episode to a reasonable length for once. Um, and yeah, maybe... <laughs> oh, what? Yeah, how about that? A reasonable yeah, length. I know, right? <laughs> like, wait, you can do episodes less than three hours? That's a thing? What a concept. Yeah, I know, right? Um, so what we might possibly do, since it's been so long since we recorded, we actually had some more stuff we were going to talk about on this episode. Um, obviously, we'll save that for next time. We might do another one next week. Um, I know obviously our, our kind of standard schedule that we're supposed to stick to is doing episodes every two weeks. Um, and I know sometimes we end up doing them more like every three or something like that, but, um, yeah, maybe we'll, maybe we'll just do an episode next week. We're definitely going to be doing one two weeks from now because, uh, we're only a couple weeks out from E3 and we'll be getting our first look at actual gameplay footage from Star Wars Battlefront 2. 
Um, and so if we save all the, uh, we got a couple more uh, Last Jedi articles and rumors and things, and then some leaked photos from the set of the Han Solo movie. So I'm like, if we save that stuff for doing it the same week as the E3 stuff, that's going to be a four-hour episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we might go ahead and do another one next week, but we'll see how the uh, the schedule shakes out and everything. Um, but for now, I think we're going to go ahead and uh, get ready to wrap up. Tim, did you have anything you wanted to add? Any uh, responses from the listeners or anything just on the stuff we talked about for now? Um, yeah, we did get some Twitter responses on the Vanity Fair articles. So uh, go ahead and read those off. First off, for some uh, reactions for uh, some people's favorite images from the vanity fair pictures um the first one is from neil lori who says or from at lori neil on twitter says his favorite one was our angel leia it hits home that she is no longer with us but you know she's looking down and saying something sassy and then our good pal brian bailey at balls in play says as as a parent this one led to tears we all have a mom and he was referring to the image with uh, carrie fisher with billy lord and then joseph golden says at cc star 1138 my favorite The Last Jedi image was with Luke and Leia because of the emotion that evokes in me, especially since Carrie's passing. So, yeah, I mean, those ones with Carrie Fisher with both Billy Lord and Mark Howes, you know, really struck a chord amongst a lot of fans. Because, like I said, this pulled out your heartstring when you see it, and you just can't help but be moved when you see those images. So, looks like for most uh, fans out there, the ones with Carrie are the ones that really stuck out. But also in regards to our first look at Laura Dern's character, Admiral Holdo, we got a few responses to her look in the movie. First one is from at iShowTunes that just says, it's beautiful and very cool too. And then Brian Bailey chimes in again saying, it looks more political than an officer, which, yeah, I could definitely see that one. Mm-hmm. Similar to the reaction I had when I, we first saw her look. And then Dylan Sparks at Suburban Home says, oh, wondering if it's possible that it's uh, kind of an undercover look for her, which I think could have been kind of a, a cool thing to speculate about if she a resistance officer but goes undercover in Canto Bite. But then we got Pablo Hidalgo who said it's kind of just, you know, part of her culture that her hair anyway looks that way. But maybe as far as the Ralph, it could be something that she's on Canto Bite. I'm not sure if it's undercover, but as far as her, you know, appearance with the hair, it's definitely just because of her culture and what planet she's from. And then at our pal Tom McClellan, at Tom McClellan24, <laughs> he responds to her look by saying, she's part of the pink ladies from Greece, which <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you guys seen the like, movie Greece with John Travolta, but <laughs> he's pretty accurate as far as her look, kind of looking like that group of girls in that movie. Which, when I thought about it, I just couldn't help but laughing because <laughs> it is kind of true in the Star Wars sense. Maybe she is like one of the pink ladies. So thanks for that tweet, Tom, and giving me a good chuckle. But yeah, thanks for all you guys who responded on Twitter, letting us know your thoughts on all these awesome images we got on The Last Jedi. Like you said, it's just great to, whenever we get new content for a Star Wars movie, whether it's a trailer or we know we're going to get images, it's just always an exciting feeling when that happens. And it's always great when we get it, and we got it last week. So just if, the more we get it, the better it is for us fans. So we know we're going to get more in the coming months with, with The Last Jedi. So this is kind of like the tip of the iceberg as far as when we're going to start learning more and more info and character looks for the movie. And I just can't wait to find out the more they reveal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I pretty much just echo what you said. I mean, how can you not love more star Wars details, more images, more, you know, trailers, all that good stuff. Um, and again, I, I think now that we're over that lull of, uh, 
you know, sort of the post-celebration period. And as we're heading back towards, you know, now we got E3 coming up in a couple of weeks. We got San Diego Comic-Con in a couple months, which I don't know for sure if they've even confirmed that there will be a Star Wars panel for that or not. But I mean, yeah, you know yeah, you know, there's going to be something, uh, you know, if not about the movie, then about Rebels or, you know, at least toys or comics or something like that. Um, but yeah, I think things are going to be picking up again pretty soon here and there's going to be a lot of cool new stuff to talk about. So can't wait to get into all of that, uh, and, uh, you know, just talk about all of it as it comes out and, uh, just, you know, geek out about Star Wars as we always do. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, we'll go ahead and sign off for now, but thank you guys for listening. Um, as always, you can check us out on social media. You know, our Twitter is at Star Wars TSC and on Facebook, we're uh, facebook.com slash Star Wars. The saga continues. Um, and, uh, we got a, probably got a link to our Facebook on our Twitter. Cause I'm thinking it's so much easier to just find at Star Wars TSC than, facebook.com slash star wars the saga continues we got to get a shorter address than that um but our website is just star wars tsc.com that's shorter and you can find all these news stories and things on there um and you can also send us email uh at star wars tsc at gmail.com um if you want to send us any you know longer thoughts comments questions uh, any of that kind of stuff um, we always appreciate hearing from you guys, you know, thanks to you guys who chimed in on Twitter and, uh, you know, just taking part in the conversation and, um, chatting Star Wars with us. So it's always good to hear from you. Um, and again, thanks for tuning in. We will see you sooner than later with another new episode. Um, and until then, may the force be with you and we will see you guys next time. See you next time, everybody. <laughs>